Recorded live. And this is Charles Stewart. I am the host and moderator for this conference on the 14th of February, 2018. Time is sure progressing by fast here. And um, um, we've got a small group here. I think I'll wait a little longer to bring it together. Um, Allie from Washington State introduced herself just a moment ago, and then a mature gentleman from Illinois said hi. Um, we've got people from Florida and Indiana also, and then somebody named Jubbafan and Guest 3. Um, would any of the rest of you like to say hi, maybe introduce yourselves a little bit? Anybody? Um well, that's okay. Um, I'm glad we got a little group started here. Um, um, Allie, um, do you, are, did, there was some things going on in the background there. Would, uh, um, do, do you have any updates from your end that you'd like to briefly cover as we're starting up here? Maybe not. Um, anyway, um, I've been working on um, a shorter version of the oath for qualified electors. Let me bring that up. I'll post the web in uh, the chat window here. Um, um, yes, web link for the oath of office of qualified electors. It's uh, the, the other one was a four-page document. I've got a, a habit of um, getting wordy and explaining everything in exhaustive detail. And my first version of this document was like five pages, and then I whittled it down to four pages, and that was still too long. I didn't feel good about really pushing it to get people. And now I've got it down to two pages. It was like pulling teeth to try to get it um, um, down to two pages. But I got it down to two pages, and I just posted the link in there. And that is something simple. Common people can get their brain around what they're committing to when they join a common law township and they become a qualified elector therein. There's duties. You've got to be prepared to serve on a jury. And, and you got to assist your town constable in keeping the peace, and you got to make economic donations. Um, and we'll be talking a little bit about economic side here because, well, well, yes, the town constable is also referred to as a tithing man. The older history of the term and the terms were synonymous, and that indicated non-coercive fundraising for the support of government. Um, uh, a totally mind-blowing concept for the average person that is uh, uh, terrorized by the thought that if they don't fill out that 1040 form, uh, IRS agents are going to pack them off to the gulag. Um, so so we're, what we're talking about is a form of government that is non-coercive. If you don't have any economic resources to devote to the common law form of government that we're talking about establishing here, that's okay. 
if if everybody in your township believes that you really don't have that money, then 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 you're not going to be coerced. You don't got to get in a panic. You just keep helping out, keeping the peace, and um, uh, uh, doing what else you can to support the township. And everybody else will carry the weight so long as they think that you're making good faith efforts to the best of your ability to to secure the peace and happiness of the people in the township. Um, and so we're talking about a totally alternative model of government. Um, and people are welcome to, to jump in, generally speaking, uh, and interrupt me a little bit here, but um, I'm going to uh, go ahead and go into a little rant because I kind of review these things in my mind. Um, as we're working up to the call, and I'm kind of up to speed with a number of concepts here going through my mind, and I'd like to get it out and and kind of describe the general profoundly beautiful society that that is um, implied by a careful study of the history of um, the constitutional laws of the United States of America, which technically speaking are derived from England, and um, um, they're under they're based on common law. Common law is a general body of law that that comes to us from England, and it involves the jury trial process. People frequently don't know what I'm referring to when I talk about common law. Most people talk about it, but when you start focusing in on specific elements of common law, like jury trial process, then all of a sudden people realize that, hey, there's a workable alternative here to the despotism of the evil empire model of Roman government under which we presently labor. Um, so... Um, That that jury trial process goes very deep. Um, 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 and Jebofan, I'm going to need you to quit cussing in the chat room, or else I'm going to have to mute you. Don't be using that F word. Um, um, but um, we're trying to. Tr uh, I'm 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 juggling a number of different. Um, communities of interest is a good way to phrase it. Last week we had a conference call under a different um, um, TalkShoe ID number. It's called Consensus Builders, and that's similar to um, 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 uh, the jury trial process that we just talked about because jury trial decisions are based upon actually a higher threshold than consensus, which is unanimity. The, the jury has to be unanimous in their decision one way or the other that um, um, the, the accused person is either innocent or guilty. One way or the other, there's no hung juries in a pure common law system. What you do in a pure common law system is is it's open. 
it, the purpose is to reflect the conscience of the community. That phrase, conscience of the community, is related to the case law that you look up that that talks about the the history of the jury trial process. And so you just keep going until one side or the other, and actually the the, the litigating parties can 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 um, uh, the the jurists, they can select their own jurists to invite them in as long as they're qualified electors. And um, um, you keep building until one side or the other finally gets 12. And 12, and see at that point, eventually one side or the other will will concede because it's very difficult to get 12 people to agree on your side uh, unless, unless, unless you're actually in the right. Because because whether you're right or wrong has a strong influence on people that are bound by conscience, as all qualified electors are supposed to be. Um, and so, at that point, it, the common law becomes a precise science for bringing justice to the common people. And if you look at the federal uh, uh, House of Representatives and Senate, um, every single person in there has no concept, it seems, anyway. There might be a few of them, but they have no concept, it seems, of uh, of the possibility that there actually could be a science for administering the affairs of government in a surgically precise manner because they're basically under the influence of the Roman Empire model of government, which uh, uh, perpetrates uh, majority rule, which amounts to mob rule, and... Um, they're under its pendulum swinging back and forth like uh, 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 to, to the advantage of, of the advocates of the Roman Empire where the people are so dysfunctional because the Democrats and Republicans are always arguing with each other that guess what, we've got to have a Nazi jackbooted military dictator come in and kick the snot out of everybody um, uh, uh, just because the so-called lawmaking authority is too incompetent to actually arrive at any sort of a consensus about what policy should actually be. Um, but I'm ranting along there pretty good. It looks like David Scheid from Michigan came in. David, uh, would you like to say hi? How are you doing? Well, hi, everybody. I'm doing pretty good. I just got back home and um been a long day, so I'm I'm uh I appreciate you uh, the, the introduction and uh, I will stay tuned and uh see what y'all are talking about. All right. Thank you, David. Uh and I see Nikki just arrived in the chat room. Good to see you in the background there, Nikki. Um anybody else have any comments or questions on what I've been ranting about so far? Hearing none. I'll continue to rant a little bit longer. And our last week's conference on the other channel, uh, the the consensus builders. Um, um, We had a guest speaker there from a group called Holo Holo Chain. You can look that up if you on on a word search on the internet. Um, Holo Chain, H O L O C H A I N. Um, They've they've got a chat community that is a lot of good things. Somebody's breathing heavy in the background. They ought to press star eight or star six to kind of mute or mute themselves there. Um, anyway, um, 
This gets into modern cryptocurrency technology, and, and a lot of people are apprehensive about um, um, cryptocurrencies. Um, Catherine Austin Fitz, a profoundly enlightened woman, uh, she produces a lot of videos. She's a very reputable scholar in the areas of economics. Um, uh, but back in just December, that was about two months ago, she made a video with Greg Hunter that said there's one big problem is that the, the, the encryption technology is not secure. Well, well, uh, maybe that was back in December. Uh, Two months ago, uh, maybe it's changed since then. I don't think so. I think it's been secure. Um, I think most of the, uh, the the fellow Raymond that was on our conference last week, he would he, he would verify that 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 basically modern cryptocurrencies are secure. Um, but th my point I was trying to drive towards there is that um, um, there's a lot of apprehension and 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 a lot of it is is conjured i believe or propaganda that that is making people apprehensive and there's lots of things to be apprehensive and paranoid about no doubt uh so don't throttle back on that but try to be discerning to make accurate judgments please because um god provides us with tools with opportunities and and when we need to weigh these things carefully so that um 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 if there's an opportunity to to, to advance the cause of truth and justice and peace for our common people that we don't squander that opportunity and and there's a lot of things happening not only in the cryptocurrency realm but in the legal law related realms that we're talking about here things like um well, like marketing sovereignty. Okay, if you, if you could take a moment to 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 pause and put quote marks with a capital letter up front on each word, capital M marketing, capital S sovereignty inside of quotes. Um, that's a powerful concept that I'm presently um, focused on. Because um, when you're in a, a common law, general society community, such as a township, that the, the whole scheme of things, all of the levels of government above the township, um, were, are, are designed to work to protect the sovereignty of that township community. And therein, each member of the township gets to become a sovereign because it's a community of sovereigns. Each head of household is, is responsible for what goes on in his household, and he's accountable to law for everything that goes on. But if there's nobody complaining, then he's got peace and happiness. And, um, yeah, that's, that's the utopian ideal that is described in the biblical book of James as, quote, the perfect law of liberty, unquote. Um, and here we get to a science again. When when a whole society is organized in this manner, 
of of the, the hierarchy at the grassroots level, from the townships to the precincts to the counties, then uh, and and it's based upon the biblical model of Exodus 18, where Jethro and Moses were talking about God's will for the whole thing, and 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 it was inspired to them to. Um, create captains, appoint captains over smaller communities of tens and fifties and hundreds and thousands. And um, that's Israelite Torah law. Um, very, very powerful in, in Judaic his, history and and even many denominations of Christians still hold the, that first, those first five books of the Bible in special significance with regard to authority of law. Um, and when um, um, we comprehend that apparently the only culture, well, there was other cultures. Blackstone said there were other cultures, but the main culture that that preserved these Israelite Torah laws was uh, um, the Anglo-Saxon communities of Northern Europe. Um, and up until the Norman Conquest of 1066 A.D., um, um, the, that system of Israelite Torah law survived, and 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 um, residual effects still linger in our society, even though the Roman Empire model has perverted it a whole lot, adulterated it, um, and and the. Um, a common law township is ten heads of household. A common law precinct is a hundred heads of household. It's called a hundred court. That's still in Black's Law Dictionary. And a common law county is supposed to be a thousand households, just like the old 3,400-year-old Exodus 18 model of government. And and at the precinct level, that hundred court, that's where they they call their juries for all of the ten townships in in the precinct, and um, there under they find people that are um, familiar with the litigants in the community wherein the crime is alleged to have occurred, and and when you have that community of people um, um, that all know each other and all got respect for each other. And, and their prioritized concern is to figure out if there's a real crime that's gone on here or if somebody just got frustrated and is making a baseless accusation here. Um, and so we're going to get to the bottom of it. And we don't care who the people are. Justice is blind. We only care about whether or not a crime has really been committed or if there's an error or a malicious accusation going on here or something, but either way, we got to resolve it. And and when when you have communities of people like that, quote, responsibly self-governing, unquote, and administering justice through due process of law, then you've got a model for government that can seriously produce peace and happiness for everybody involved in that model of government. And that's what we're working towards here, and I dare suggest it's head and shoulders above anything else that anybody else anywhere is talking about. Um, 
And I can ran even further. I would like to get more into the details of of how we can actually market this. But again, I love including people that are um, um, inclined to have intelligent conversations about these um, uh, serious issues of the survival of our American nation. Um, and so, once again, microphone's open. Anybody have any comments or questions here? Uh, well, I'll go ahead and speak up. This is David. Um, I'm just uh, eager, actually, to hear you continue about the marketing aspect of it because as you talk about uh, the community and models, um, I keep thinking to myself, all right, what what is a model community that we can take a look at? And I know that there's some people that are talking about starting new communities. Um, there was a video sent to me recently, uh, for, maybe it was from Nikki or somebody else, that uh, a guy in Colorado uh, basically is inviting people. He's got land out there, and he's inviting people to come out to Colorado and settle on his land and uh, and elect him to be the sheriff. I think it was the sheriff. And, um, uh, you know, and I... I People have a tendency to want to see where uh, logistically it's it's working, and so I think in in any marketing aspect that we have to have a reference point where people can not only know the the ins and outs of how something is working, but uh, you know uh, you know from an outsider's view. Uh, how it actually is working, as a matter of fact. I yield. Thank you, David. Um, um, and I've been wrestling with that issue for a long time. The Clackamas County Commissioners back in January of 2016 told me that they wouldn't obey the law because nobody else had ever obeyed the law. And so I can't point to an example of people that actually govern under county law that uh, uh, is actually working now. And so they think that they have the right to continue with their evil empire form of Roman municipal government. Um, and, and I comprehend the essence of that argument. But um, I don't empathize with it because the present system of of government is is oppressive and tyrannical and and murderous, and it's not working. And this, what I'm talking about, is firmly rooted in in ancient versions of law, and and. If you do the math on it, it's like looking at at, at the Wright brothers' first airplane. Um, uh, it's got enough horsepower. It's designed uh, with sufficient uh, aerodynamics to where, mathematically, from an engineering point of view, the thing should fly. And just because it hasn't been started up yet and, and nobody's actually flown with it doesn't mean that it can't do it. And, and, and um, so th there's only one option when nobody else has done something that's a new model here. Is somebody has to get 
uh, their their hands wet, their feet wet, their hands dirty, and and um, uh, they have to engineer it from the grassroots bottom up. And 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 when that's finally done, then all the looky loos will come around and say, "Hey, hey, I want to do that too." And they'll probably put all kinds of bells and whistles on it, and and, and get all kinds of credit for it. And the guys that really did the heavy lifting. Uh, uh, probably won't get much credit, but that's okay. It's the process. Once it gets up, once it gets starting, then 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 peace and justice will start happening all across the USA and the whole planet. And um, um, at that point, um, um, the goals of the people that did the heavy lifting will be achieved. And and I'm not in this for the glory. And and most of the good people that hang around this conference call are um, are not in it for the glory. They're in it because they want something better for our common people. And we can do this. I know we can do this. It's uh, uh, all the details are there. It, it, it's like looking at a jigsaw puzzle with only so many pieces, and and you can see how they fit together. And just because everybody else wants you to put the jigsaw puzzle pieces together first and make a nice idiot-proof picture for them, don't mean that 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 um, um, we got to stop working on doing what we're doing because nobody else has done it before. And gee whiz, somehow we don't have enough credibility yet. Um, Comments, questions, or I'll go on to to more ranting, more focused on the economics. Uh, anybody? Questions, comments? Uh, yes, this is Allie. Allie, how are you doing, sister? Well, you know, we were talking about marketing economics, and you asked me if I had an update on Washington State. Well, I think now's the time to deliver it. Sure. And uh, I'm delivering uh, what Dory Monson, who has a daily radio show on uh, here on Cairo Radio from three uh, from noon to three, and he was talking how our state is now uh, targeting the middle class and the and the lower class with taxes, and we're talking property taxes going up, car tabs going up, sound transit, light rail, airport taxes now, uh, tax on sodas and proposing a state income tax. And yesterday, John Kerry showed up to visit our governor to promote putting a carbon tax on us, and they're just trying to tax us into poverty. So uh, this is one way when we look at, you know, an economic marketing or sovereignty, uh, how they're just trying to destroy us by taxing us right now, any way they can get the money out of us to get us off our property. Yeah, that that's the Roman Empire model of government. It's basically a parasite class, and um, um, it will continue to suck economic and literal lifeblood out of the body politic of the people until they destroy the body politic of the people. It's in their nature. They are irrational um, people. And 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 they they they're functioning in the reptilian brain mode. They're not using their higher twelve strands of DNA. They're functioning on just two strands of DNA, which is all the reptilian brain part of the human brain needs to function. It's just fight or flight and 
and competitive version of capitalism where where it's just 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 compete you know race run uh, uh, get get as much chips and as many toys as you can before you die and then you win if you got lots of toys um, um, and that's the extent of their their logic and reason it's it's really quite reptilian and 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 uh, uh, unenlightened in in its model of thinking and this is why we need something better. We we need a better model of governing, and that's that's what we're working towards. Well, it's a very well said. But, uh, you know, as I shared with you, uh, I now look at these people and what they're doing, uh, because what they're doing is not organic. It's not sustainable. It doesn't give us free will, and therefore, I look at them as minions for Satan. That's a good choice of words. I'll I'll second that choice of words. Um, yes. Yeah. Well, the sad thing is, so many of them that are doing these things have no idea that that's what they are being, because well, they are disrespecting all of God's creations. Well, yeah. Yeah. Um, I I don't like to arrive at judgments on people until. Um, uh, somebody's actually made a formal accusation in front of me, and I gotta do it, okay? Um, um, and and um, there is a lot of really, really ignorant people. Um, um, frequently, I've thought that people were malicious, subversive type people, and and then situation develops further, and I realize, well. <laughs> That guy was just really that dumb. He just really didn't know he was doing wrong, um, um, and 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 so I'm kind of flabbergasted sometimes that people could actually be as dumb as they sometimes are. But um, the, the advantage there is that that it's better to be in the dumb class of people that are just honestly goofing up, as opposed to the people that are part of the parasite class and they're actually working to help pillage and plunder maliciously the, our common people. Um, well, and they do it for their paycheck, paycheck. And I think our job here is to help wake them up. And uh, this is what the Great Awakening is, because uh, we got to wake them up because uh, <clears throat> there's such a war against our consciousness and our DNA between these two entities of good and evil. And uh, I, I think it's just wonderful of the return we are now getting in the work that we're doing of the number of people that are waking up and realizing the reality that they're really living in, not the one they were given. So I, I just uh, put my faith in the greater power, and uh, uh, I, I'm seeing wonderful people around me uh, waking up all the time. So that gives yeah. me hope. Well, and and um, you recognize, of course, that that there's there's two ideologies here that are in fundamental conflict um the people that love the liberty of uh that's generally referred to in the bible and in our american constitutional system of governing um and in the laws of england and the laws of israel um uh these perfect laws of liberty are are one side of a polar, polarized ideological conflict. The other side 
is is the Roman Empire model that relies on brute force and and intimidation and coercion, and um, uh, and that model is is also quite alive and well and powerful. But but see that that Roman Empire model of tyranny and oppression, um, it thrives in environments where. Uh, its activities can be held secret, and people can be made confused, so they don't know how to get a handle on 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 responsibly self-governing in a manner which brings corrupted public servants to accountability. That's how the evil empire gets its traction and is able to parasite the economic and literal lifeblood out of the people. Because if the people have tools for um, 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 stopping criminal parasitical behavior from extracting economic and literal lifeblood from their communities, then that parasite class is going to wither and die. Okay? See, the, 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 the different communities of people will not allow themselves to continue to be pillaged and plundered by the parasite class if they've got any say about it. And and the mission of this phone conference is to empower people to have some say about it and to have the perspective from common law due process, step-by-step procedures for deciding whether or not public officials or corporate executives or anybody else is part of that parasite class that's abusing and pillaging and plundering our common people, or if um, maybe they're just misguided and they deserve some indulgences and some, some tough love here and being talked to so that they can get on the right page and cure their dysfunctional behavior patterns. And, 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 and so what's happening here is slowly but surely we're ripping the mask away from that core of evil that that is is consumed by lust for the economic and literal blood of our common people. We're, we're reducing their ability to hide behind the confusion of the Democratic and Republican Party polarity. That that, that is the, the Democrats are hollering and screaming about the terrible Republicans right now, and, and the Republicans frequently are hollering and screaming about the incompetent social engineering big nanny state government Democrats. And so they're just pointing the finger. It's a it's a good cop, bad cop routine going back and forth, and both cops are dirty. They're playing us. They're posturing. It's theater. There's a third alternative, more harmonious with what the Libertarian Party generally professes. But guess what? Even the leadership of the Libertarian Party is is, is compromised, I've come to believe. And... Um, uh, well, the Libertarian Party is organized under Roman civil municipal law. They don't comprehend that there's a whole different system of law that's more ancient that that can break them out from under the Roman civil municipal system of governing and actually produce a pure libertarian society where the perfect law of liberty reigns. Um, so yeah, I, I, 
I can pause there, uh, Ali or David or anybody. Um, well, this, this is Ali, and, and I, I'm just going to say I, I so appreciate how impeccable you are with your words, brother. And uh, uh, I, I'm going to uh, rest mine right now because uh, you never uh, learn when you're talking, and I would uh, I always learn when I listen to you. So um, I'm going to yield now. Thank you, Ali. Um, um, but please don't. Be shy about jumping in here. I I really work better in an environment where others are are providing sounding boards for me. Um, yeah, I'm kind of a counterpuncher. You know, I, I react better to to. But anyway, um, I I I am improving in my ability to um, um, uh, self-sustain a, a a discourse here, and I wanted to. Uh, kind of plug together a few loose ends on on the economics thing because because um, we're there's there's differing communities of interest that are surrounding the people that are hanging with our phone conference here and what I'm trying to engineer through it. Um, not only the, the the cryptocurrency communities such as what's going on with that Holochain group, um, but but. People such as um, Ellen Brown is talking about public banking, and the Bank of North Dakota is is a public bank, and it's getting away from um, 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 the private big corporations such as the Federal Reserve Corporation and and um, uh, Bank of America and Goldman Sachs and all of those. Um, um, these are these are public banks that are owned by um, the community, the people, uh, in the care of the Roman civil government, which is dysfunctional, but we can handle that. The point is that if it's in the public forum, it it, it can be dedicated to the welfare of the people. Um, whereas if it's private, <laughs> they can do anything they want. They're like a bunch of mercenaries and 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 he, he, they've got their own private jurisdiction with their own private judges and and they're not going to allow you to uh bring them to an accountability. So, um 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 but the that public banking issue that Ellen Brown is talking about and she talks quite eloquently about it and um, there's lots of videos on, uh, from others besides her about this whole concept of public banking. That's one of the concepts that merges together with the cryptocurrency thing. The other concept is um, what Hartford Van Dyke's talking about with setting up a, a community bank wherein uh, the laws of commerce can be used to, to place... Um, um, commercial instruments in the the treasury of the people, so that um, um, uh, there is plenty of resources available to quote discharge debts unquote, and um, um, through that debt discharging process, um, all kinds of economics can be freed up. And Hartford's got one angle there with his public banking uh, uh, initiative. Um, 
um, and he's he's well entrenched in 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 fundamental principles of commercial law going back very anciently. Um, um, but his view is a little bit unique. There's other scholars that are doing things um, with the Uniform Commercial Code that's a separate category of commercial law. It's moreover under Roman civil municipal law because um, um, the commercial law that 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 is coming through the Uniform Commercial Code has has been embraced by the Roman civil municipal legislative assemblies and specifically enacted into statutes not only for the federal government but for the various state governments. So at that point it's got elements of Roman civil municipal law um um, and Hartford Van Dyke doesn't like that statutory uniform commercial code version. Um, um, and there are uh, pluses and minuses to it that are kind of hard for me to calculate. But either way, see, we're in a position from the common law um, uh, angle to pick and choose what we want, what is most efficient to us. And, and and we can bring in Hartford, and we can bring in the other uh, scholars like the Montana Freeman and others that are modernly using the Uniform Commercial Code, uh, um, uh, so that so that either way, we can we can generate enough commercial instruments so that we've got a big fat treasury. It's easy to get billion dollar defaults on on. Um, on corrupted public servants and and corrupted executive officers from powerful corporations, and at that point, those are uh, th those billions of dollars are available for our community to quote discharge debts unquote for our common people. And see, at that point, we've got we've got the ability to turn the spigot uh, a faucet. For, for flow of economic resources that are 100% solid in applicable law uh, that are available for bringing economic relief to our common people, for raising the standard of living for our common people. And, and those, those economic resources from, from defaulted commercial instruments where, where there's liens and things, where corrupted public servants owe billions of dollars, uh, that is one aspect that that people might actually take delight in in capitalizing on a uh, 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 billion dollar lien or something against Dick Cheney or Hillary Clinton or some other um, uh, obviously evil type person that's that's destroying our nation. That that would be enthused for a lot of people would be enthused about uh, paying off their house or something with a um, an assignment of part of the economic resources that were secured through a lien against such a corrupted public servant as I just mentioned. But, but see, we've also got things like uh, a whole lot of us have got little stashes of like silver coin, maybe even a few gold coins. We can leverage that and pledge that as collateral too. We, and some of us have, have decent bank accounts with with, with, with Federal Reserve notes or, or the equivalent in uh, electronic credits that we can bring to the table. And if we pool our resources, we, we each 
um, uh, bring together what we've got available, then we can have multiple sources of of economic resources that 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 can be distributed equally throughout our American people. And I visualize in, for for the government of the United States of America at the top level, the inner circle would be 12 people. Please note that the, the Federal Reserve banking system, there's 12 Federal Reserve banks. Please note the, 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 the number of United States circuit courts. There's 12 United States circuit courts. Okay, these people know how real law works. They know that, that it's in the tea leaves, it's in the crystal ball of the future, that, that, that someday there's a good chance that some enlightened um, uh, law scholars are going to follow the same pattern that Jesus Christ was apparently following, that Moses was apparently following, that, 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 that the nation of Israel was subdivided, politically subdivided. That's a specific phrase, quote marks around political subdivision. Uh, search that on the web. Uh, uh, that means that, that the larger body is composed of the smaller body, and there's 12 smaller bodies that come together in the collective, in the confederation, to make up the larger body. That's what 12 Federal Reserve banks make up the larger Federal Reserve banking system that governs the economy for the whole USA. Twelve federal circuit courts uh, uh, make up the entire court system that, that purports, that claims to have authority to administer justice for our nation as a whole in 12 separate subdivisions. And so what I'm working towards here is this is a divinely inspired model to have 12 subdivisions and the bad guys know it. The circuit court judges know it. The, the Federal Reserve bankers know it. That's why they subdivide into 12 because this is written in stone and and they don't like talking about it, but, but it's what we're drawing out and that's what we're... To get back to the, the marketing sovereignty thing, the the, we've got faucets that will start flowing economic resources mixed with uh, uniform commercial code default judgments and things like that, along with gold and silver coin, along with real Federal Reserve notes. We might not have much of, of Federal Reserve notes and things like that, but we've got whatever we've got, we share equally between our 12 political subdivisions. And, and when when as as we're moving forward we've got lots of commercial defaults we can do billions of those right off the bat um um and we can start distributing economic resources and when you when when you realize that the whole cryptocurrency thing like the whole chain community that was on the other conference last week um uh they are are, are 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 talking about doing something similar and just creating grassroots currency like like Bitcoin. They created Bitcoin out of thin air. That's a similar fiat money as um, uh, Federal Reserve notes, and um, that's what um, um, 
that's what the holochain community and all of these cryptocurrencies um, are leading towards. And, and that cryptocurrency technology can be linked to solid hard things like individual holdings of gold and silver coins too. But but it's not limited to that. See, we've got all these options. The, the visualized 12 faucets, spigots, wherein the cash flow gets to be turned in, in, in equal manners to each of the 12 communities governed by one of 12 members in an inner circle, uh, uh, like King, King Arthur's Round Table, and, and the flow is equal amongst all 12 different communities, uh, with each person, each community electing their own um, uh, uh, supervisor, administrator, chief officer, and, and, and they're all turning the cash flow approximately equally, depending on how much is in the treasury, and, and, and uh, responsibly administering the, the, the financial policies, like the Federal Reserve Bank Board of Directors. Um, only they don't do it responsibly. We'll do better than that. But same type of model. And at that point, um, um, the economic resources will be there. It, it, it's more of a, a computer programming problem to to, to get. Um, um, the the rules, the code, the computer code written to make the program equally distribute the economic resources so that within the next month or two, I expect that we're going to be ready to to launch, to to do something that will put into flow economic resources for the people. My, my current quali um, qualified electors oath of office I've gotten that down to two pages, like I mentioned earlier, and um, 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 that is, is really simple for people to sign on to, to become qualified electors. And at that point, uh, there, there's a line therein that says that the town constable is, is responsible for the economic security of um, uh, all ten heads of household in, in, in the township over which he supervises, that means that there will be a social safety net in place. There's there's uh, biblical scriptures which talk about um, the work that Jesus was doing with with his followers. Um, and and I, I forget the exact verse, but it's a verse that also talked about um, how they developed consensus amongst themselves, where they didn't have they, they they settled all agreements because everybody was of the same mind. I think that's the specific wording used in the scripture, and it also went on to say that there were no poor people among them. Okay, they took everybody that that's basically signed up for. The, the Israelite model of government that, that Jesus was apparently engineering, uh, everybody that signed up, the, the, all of their economic problems basically went away because the church made sure that there was sufficient economic resources available for all the poor people. Do you remember the Sermon on the Mount? That, that I forget the exact quote, but I know it talks about... Uh, uh, the poor shall inherit the earth, or something like that. The the kingdom of heaven belongs to the poor. And I'm not quoting it precisely right, but those were the general principles. Where and Jesus said, it's easier for a rich man to fit or a camel to fit through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to get into the kingdom of heaven. See, you got to be a compassionate person. You got to be more concerned about 
other honest human beings than um, uh, your own stack of chips. If you're going to be part of part of God's kingdom, um, and I don't like to get too heavy into the, the the religious aspects, we can do that more in private stuff. I like to keep uh, uh, it it on a uh, general American um, um, separation of church and state type of uh, discussion here, but um, 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 there is a spiritual side there that 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 the we're, we're we're dancing real closely to, and we need to keep um, um, balance and clear focus in in how all of this is coming together. I'm I'm kind of winding down there. I'd really appreciate it if somebody might be able to um, be a sounding board for me a little bit here and comment or question a little bit. Anybody? I can talk for a minute. Just yeah, yeah. Introduce yourself, please. Max F. Max. Ah, I think we've crossed paths before. Is that right, Max? Oh, yes. All right. Glad to have you here. Please grab the microphone. Um, there's been interest in forming your own banks in the past. Um, Tim Turner was having a project put together where he could form his own bank, and I think it would be extremely powerful to form your own bank because having a if you own the bank, you have a license to print money, right? Um, if you can get people to deposit money in your bank, and I'm talking a legitimate bank. Legitimate banking, the expense for setting up a legitimate bank is not that high. You know, you need to perform certain background checks, and then you have to have, you know, a couple million dollars in the uh, actual capital to start up. But once you got that, people deposit money in your bank, and according to how many deposits you have, you can loan out 20 times that. Imagine what a change in the community would be if you advertised that only people that had joined your bank borrow money from your bank, and they're their borrowing money would would be at uh, lower interest rates than they can get out in the regular world. I mean, your bank would be highly successful, and uh, eventually you would end up with um, customer-owned homes. Mm-hmm. Little by little, they would uh, stop being owned by the banks and start being owned by the people again. Yeah. The other thing that's interesting about bank creation is every single case of bank creation in the United States that I've heard of in the early days in the Federal Reserve is that they all lied about how much capital they put forward. Their their requirement to put forward capital was that they had to have, you know, $20 million or something like that, like the Federal Reserve, and they never proved that they put together anything like that. So it's just a bunch of lies. And, you know, it'd be interesting to see what the actual process would be and how much is needed, and if a promissory note would qualify for, you know, your starting capital. Uh, uh, my interactions with Hartford Van Dyke indicate that that these promissory notes can be. Uh, well, that's all a Federal Reserve note is is a, is a promissory note, uh, pretty much with the promise removed. Um, so, so Hartford says that yeah, in essence, the answer to your proposition is yes. Uh, um, um, commercial instruments, default judgments, things like that, those are uh, adequate for for issuing credit 
uh, uh, to people so that they can discharge debts through, you know, your own banking system, I do believe. Right. So if you ended up uh, starting your own bank, a legitimate bank, and then you started issuing money, well, credit, you know, because that's all any bank issues is credit, um, you know, okay, we're allocating so much credit to your account, and we're allowing you to write checks off that credit. <laughs> it's all fraud. Well, uh, I would be slow to use that word fraud. Uh, certainly the way it's being practiced modernly is fraud, but but when we're backed up with um, something more tangible, well, yeah, yeah, default judgments are, are, are in ways kind of fraud because you're not going to get a billion dollars out of somebody like, you know, the average corrupted judge or something because you just don't have a billion dollars. But um, uh, the the the... The cryptocurrency technology and and the way Hartford was engineering his alternative banking system is based upon uh, uh, not only the tangible assets of the common people, but but their their skill sets, their 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 marketable um, 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 skill sets. Different people have have skills in in naturopathic healthcare. Uh, uh, legal um, uh, uh, insights, um, uh, economic insights, car mechanic capabilities, uh, vacuuming, uh, 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 shampooing carpets, um, all kinds of different skill sets different people have. And, and, and organic food farmers, things like that. Um, uh, when, when we all pledge our resources to the community bank, then then there's no problem with each of us having a draw for enough organic food and enough naturopathic health care counseling to, to address all of our legitimate needs. And at that point, um, both, both Hartford's model and the general cryptocurrency model talked about through Holochain and things like that, they, they both can, can bypass all of those uh, bottlenecks that are inherent in the, the, the modern system of, of banking that, that is currently so fashionable. Well, what I'm saying is, is that when you think about it, what happens when um, in, in a regular bank situation, there's the regular bank situation deals in Federal Reserve notes and it deals in negotiable instruments, which it doesn't have to pay Federal Reserve notes for. So you're a member of a bank, you deposit your paychecks, that's, that's a, uh, a bill of exchange, and then you credit the account, and then you can loan out you know, 20 times or 30 times whatever you have on account. You know, you're not lending the customer's money, you're creating money from thin air and loaning it out. But what happens when the people come around and they go, "I want to, I want to pay my bill," right? You could, you, you know, you could obviously take um, their deposits and go to the Federal Reserve window and collect cash for it. Then, when they want to pay their bill, they write a check to the grocery store. They write a check to the, to buy a TV. They're just writing a, a bill of exchange, and your bank just transfers bill of exchange money to their account, right? Right. It doesn't actually pay out in cash. So no money ever disappears from your bank. 
unless somebody comes down and wants cash. And at that point, you have to have the cash to be able to pay. Right. But your everything is functioning through exchanges of pieces of paper with orders to pay. Mm-hmm. So then, like you would say, let's say you come down there with a, a lien and your uh, promise to pay is a million dollars, and you put that promise to pay as a deposit into the bank. Yeah. So then what happens? The, de- the uh, balance sheet goes up a, a million dollars, and you can loan out tw- uh, $20 million on that million-dollar promise to pay that you've deposited. Well, and then that, that, that's the current statutory parameters, I believe. Um, but but we, we, we can engineer a, a more honorable system. We, we don't have to um, uh, be indulging in, in anything that's dishonorable like the modern banking system does. Yeah, but even if... Even if we just created the modern, if we just, you know, the reason why uh, North Dakota, uh, you know, with Ellen Brown's scenario is so successful, if you think about it, is like, let's say California or any state, like you're in Oregon, decides to create their own bank, and they deposit all their money into the bank, and they can loan out uh, 20 times that. What's the point of, of floating a bond on the bond market and paying two or three percent interest when you can float your own money for free? <laughs> right on, right on there, uh, Max. Yeah. And how many billions are you going to save? Yeah. You know, what's the limit on what you can do? Oh, I'm sorry, California has a, an economy of uh, you know a couple trillion dollars, and we're loaning twenty times that out on road construction and everything else, and as long as you don't get stupid and start doing work as just, uh, you know, pork barrel work or somebody's getting something for nothing, hey, so you built a dock, you built a shipping uh, system, you built a, a, a freeway, you build projects, you know, you fix up your infrastructure with your bonds that you're creating, you limit the amount of money you're going to issue every year in bonds, and you're issuing it on yourself. You don't have to pay it, pay any interest on it. Mm-hmm. And why would why why would California not just create a regular bank? I mean, there's nothing that bars them from owning a bank. Now, except North- except the lawyers and the judges that are that are in control of the policies of 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 California. Right, and you know North Dakota. You know when they created their bank? Uh, I don't know. Uh, 1917, according to Ellen Brown. So you see, they got in there before the Federal Reserve got, you know, got wind of the fact that they were going to do that, and they couldn't say no, right? Hey, you decided to make a bank, fine. Um, yeah, everybody's entitled to do that. I'll bet now everybody's not entitled to do that. It'd certainly be an uphill battle to try to do it now, I think. Yeah. So. You know, these are the, um, the these are the things. It's like it's like anything. You know, I mean, if you went ahead and did what everybody else does, right? Okay, so you want to come in and say that your you know your sovereign citizen bank is acting um, not in um, not in under the rules that everybody else is operating under. Oh, really? Let's go see what. Let's do an accounting for Bank of America and see what kind of rules they're operating under. <laughs> The, the the standard for honorable behavior is really, really low. I think we can uh, do at least as good as Bank of America here. Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, they're not going to let you uh, do a, do a um, an accounting of Bank of America's activities. They're not going to let you because it would come out that Bank of America is, you know, complete fraud. But, you know, this is where if, yeah, starting your own bank, even the even starting a legitimate bank would be extremely effective at changing the, the world around. Mm-hmm. Well, Hartford's not afraid to to be the CEO of something like that, and neither am I. Um, um, I'd be quite content to let Hartford assume the lead on that. Um, and, and there's other people. There's other people that have the courage because the bottom line is that you might get prosecuted by the IRS or something else for some type of banking securities violations or something. So there is a risk here. But um, um, the profound benefit that is available makes the risk, I believe, worth it. And and for for people with, 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 with that have been studying applicable law for a while, you, you can you can develop a a, a pretty clear um, um, uh, assessment of of the chances of of you're actually going to jail. Both Hartford and I are skilled in these areas, and and we know what kind of argument would have to be made um, by a. Uh, um, an attorney general to to prosecute one of us before a jury to try to get a conviction to to send us to jail, um, and and yeah, and especially we we know words that that we would be more difficult than if you just took somebody off the street and they did that and uh, uh, they wouldn't have the words to fight it. But when when the person that's actually being railroaded off into jail there through a malicious prosecution is somebody that really knows how the laws related to commercial activities work, then they've got a really seriously nasty, difficult problem to try to convince a 12-person jury unanimously that um, um, uh, this person did something so bad that he deserves to be sent to jail. Well, what I find is that... um I was looking at um, Randy Dew's case, and um, I found a flaw in that that might have been, um, you know, something that they could have uh, worked on in their case against him. And it's a flaw in uh, Hartford's uh, claim also. And that is Hartford makes the the statement that if you look in – Bouviers, you can find a bunch of information on liens. Um, so, you know, I have a Bouvier's 1828, and I looked in there, and there was really nothing on liens in there. But I looked up a digitized version of the 1856 Bouviers, and there was two pages worth of information on liens. And in there, they discuss that a lien can, cannot be brought uh, for a third party that the the lien claimant has to be the party that's injured. And um, Randy Dew went in there as, you know, public proxy. And he's making a, claim, a lien claim against the judge and who and um, attorneys on behalf of the cleanse things or whatever. Which, on behalf of what? 
Uh, well, there was a couple that the IRS were processing cleansings. Oh, that that's their name, cleansings? Yeah. Okay. So he was making a lien claim as a public proxy on behalf of the people of the United States of America, on behalf of, you know, in relation to their actions, the judge's actions and the attorney's actions against the cleansings. Okay. And if it's true, I mean, and I have to, I go by, you know, my research is always, I want to see some kind of substantiation for what I do. And so um, when I'm looking at Bouvier's discussion about you're not being, a, a, you know, somebody put place in a lien on somebody else cannot do it for the benefit of another party, right? That's the third party. You know, where you haven't, it's like the definition of standing in the U.S. Constitution is you have a right to sue if you have a personal injury or loss. Mm -hmm. And the only time that you get away from personal injury or loss is you could bring up the fact that the Congress allowed people to sue for other people in the case where you want to claim that you're doing it as a private attorney general. Yes. And so in a private attorney general situation, you can sue on behalf of other people being injured yeah. uh, as a benefit for society. Yeah. It's in the public interest. Right. It's in uh, the interest of justice. Right. And the, if, uh, if the lien information that's produced in Bouvier's in 1856 is correct, and I would, um, I would have to say it would be, then you can't do a private attorney general style attack and lean somebody unless you personally had an interest in it. So, I comprehend. Um, well, and, and this is David. That that's very true because uh, I I read a lot about the uh, 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 private attorney general. And as long as, and and actually, that is true to some extent. Here's the, here's what I read: was that uh, let's say a nonprofit organization who has the resources uh, and and thrives, you might say, on a specific type of uh, a topic. Let's let's say Judicial Watch in some way. They can bring uh, a lawsuit and and do the uh, do it on behalf of the third party uh, of another party who's been injured, even though they personally have not been injured, uh, they can do that because they've got the resources and and the uh, uh, the Supreme Court will uh, or the federal courts will allow that kind of thing to happen because they uh, they do have the resources and they have a, an interest so to speak. Uh but they even though they are not um uh, a direct claimant. They but um they frown upon that. Uh they and for them and so for that reason this, there's there's a lot of Supreme Court decisions which basically oust people unless uh, from the private attorney general status unless they do have a a uh uh, a, a personal uh, stake in the claim, or you know, a claim. And they are one of the ex-rel claimants, so to speak. And so um, that's 
it, it's true, but it's not all the way there because it, it uh, they do allow nonprofit organizations and uh, you know people with the so-called resources. Because one of the things that they do in a so-called class action suit is they 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 make sure that the person who is speaking up has the resources to to go through all the litigation to provide all of the 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 paperwork and you know do all the bs that that uh, you know that they make you do and so i yield now one hey. hint one hint go ahead, if you're going to do a class action suit call it a multiplicity of plaintiffs instead of class actions well, I agree with that. Uh, and so um, now I'd like to just ask you this question because I, I kind of uh, have an affinity for the the private uh, public proxy, uh, and uh, I kind of like that term, and, uh, even though it basically is, you know, the same thing as a private attorney general, but it, it's not in their... Uh, sandbox, so to speak. So what's your thoughts about that? Well, you might be able to use it in a, in a civil suit, you know, a 42 action or something like that, but I don't see how you could use it in a lien. And that was my objection is that let's, let's just say when you, everybody that has gone to court, I'm sure those of us that are experienced it multiple times going to court, they're not going to tell you why they're ruling a certain way. Because if they did, they'd be giving away the farm, and pretty soon you'd have, okay, well, they didn't accept this, and they didn't accept this, and we're just going to keep on honing it down until we win. And so they just don't – they just ignore, explain – they don't give you a finding of fact and conclusion of law and tell you what the mistake was. So if you're going to claim that Randy Dew filed a fraudulent lien, what's, on the what basis are you making the claim? However, you know, if they're hiding the fact that he was doing it as a third party, you know, on behalf of third party, had no personal lien right, then it would be pretty obvious that he doesn't have any right to file a lien, you see. So, I mean, you kind of have to go in and uh, eliminate the things you know are wrong. So that's why, you know, you, I, you, you can do it as a public proxy on a, a civil suit, you know, or private attorney general, in my opinion, but I, I don't think you could do it for a lien. Okay, I, I got it, and I think I would be very inclined to, to agree with you there. Uh, I'm wondering now, uh, with uh, December, uh, Donald Trump placing this uh, in, um, presidential order, um, that order, where he basically said that uh, that anybody involved in corruption will have their property taken away from them and things like this. If uh, if that might be uh, an invitation for people with evidence, uh, and especially if the federal courts are, and the prosecutors, federal prosecutors, are doing nothing about these criminals, that uh, that anybody may be able to use that presidential proclamation and go in state XREL and uh, and start making some claims. Well, my opinion about it is simply that the um, federal government has 
jurisdiction over federal employees. It could all, you could also make the claim they have jurisdiction over state employees because they have a contract and the state employees required to take an oath to the federal government's constitution. But um, if you're talking about um, a private party going after a public official's property, then I, I don't know that you could make a claim that you had a right to um, go after a public official's property. Well, let let's say let's say um, um, uh, a, it, not of the private party, but if you go in state X rel, you're going in as the state. You're not the private party. You are the state. So you're representing the state, is what you're saying. Correct. And you can do that. That's in the False Claims Act. You know, uh, just because. Uh, you can go in state X rel on behalf of the state and and or sue a state on behalf of the federal government or sue some corporation or anything else under the False Claims Act, <clears throat> um, and because you simply know that fraud has occurred and you've given the federal government the opportunity to do something about it, and when they choose not to then you say, well, fine, I am. I'm going to recover that money because I have a, <clears throat> I'm have a taxpayer, however you want to say it, and, <clears throat> and the federal laws, which were uh, created by Congress uh, under the, uh, the False Claims Act, the RICO Act, and Civil Rights Act, that they know that all, all prosecutors, federal prosecutors, are not going to be in a position to actually do this stuff and so they have made those laws where Joe Blow and and Charlie Sixpack can come walking in there and say, "Hey, uh, I'm going to do this too. If the federal government isn't going to do it, I'm going to do it for you." And then I get a piece of the pie once I get the if I win this case. And so um, uh, you do, in that particular situation, you do not. You can go in state X rel, and you do not have to have a, a, a private beef with this whole thing. You can basically say, "Look, my interest in this is the fact that I'm a ta- you know I'm a I'm one of those taxpayers that has a vested interest in my in my country. The law says that I have a right to do it, and and therefore under the False Claims Act, here I am." Wouldn't you um, claim that? Um, if you read the constitutions, they basically state that you know the president has a duty to execute the laws, and your state constitution will say that the attorney general is an executive branch officer whose duty is to execute the law, right? So well, it, yeah. So in the uh, in the judiciary has the duty too, but you know I laugh when I think about what I've seen so far. Well, I understand that, but what, I, what I'm saying is, is if you filed a criminal case against the state actor, let's say, and said he was violating the, you know, you do uh, Hartford's criminal complaint against them for violating the Constitution, and then they don't prosecute, what if you just um, added in that, you know, it's failure to prosecute will be aiding and abetting on behalf of the Attorney General who has the duty to prosecute? Right, absolutely. Yep, and and uh, and you know tie into that. Uh, uh, what is it? A hundred thousand dollar fine for uh, uh, 
financial crimes organization, according to uh, you know the the numbers that uh, um, Hartford's uh, got there. Citation of the law, you know, federal code. What I find uh, missing from Hartford's uh, criminal complaint is that he doesn't. He should. He, he doesn't have a clear affidavit statement in from my looking at them. And if you put in your affidavit the commercial language, which is, you know, you have uh, uh, three weeks or 30 days to um, counter the claims or you're judged uh, guilty, right? And if you don't prosecute the case, then, you know, it's a self-executing contract. You're guilty of aiding and abetting for those parties that are have a duty to uh, prosecute. Yeah. You know, and you put the time limit in. It's like you fail to respond to these things. You are in default on defending your um, claim of innocence. You you, you are judged guilty. That's it. uh, And uh, now, because I've been I've been using Hartford's. uh, uh, I I made another template. I'm pretty good with Photoshop, and I was able. I got some pretty dirty copies of the stuff that he had done a while back. And so I just decided to make my own new templates out of it. And it looks really pretty sharp. And, um, uh, and I, so I've served those upon the various, uh, entities and, uh, and, and I've taken, uh, I've talked to Hartford to extent and he's made it very clear that, that, uh, these criminal complaints need to be accompanied by, um, uh, a ledger, and uh, that ledger uh, is basically provides the accounting on it, and um, and you know it, it can be as well. I've been doing it this way also. Is that um, uh, for the most part, I've been uh, notarizing those ledgers, and then I've been following up with the uh, the, the the third party notary process to to give them. Uh, you know, so that now I've got a third party that's serving them with the fact that they owe me some money, and uh, then he supplies the notice of default and then ultimately the certificate of dishonor when, you know, uh, and he's my witness, yeah, a third-party notary witness that, that shows that, you know, that uh, they have been served, they did acquiesce, and... Um, uh, this is this is where I'm ready to to start investing into this bank that Charles is talking about because I've got acquiesced uh, certified claims here witnessed. I you? I'm interested in your email because um, I've made my own uh, Hartford uh, criminal complaint up also, and I mean you, you just can't take his uh, PDF uh, version and do anything with it. Unless you have a export, yeah, it. it's kind of difficult. Well, um, yeah, I, I, uh, uh, I don't know how at this point this week here. I know I don't know how fast I can respond, and I'm, I'm I can't get in anything new right now because I'm trying to, I'm trying to finish something up that I I I am going to you know take it and uh, slingshot it to the U.S. Supreme Court. And um, so it's it's taken quite a bit of work so far, and I still got another month or two to be working on it. But I'd I'd be happy to uh, to send you a link 
to where I have uh, some of these these claims in commerce posted with my template up there. Um, and you can get an idea of what, what those look like that I've just kind of – I basically have done everything. I use the same codes and everything that he's used, but he's got several blanks that say other on it, and I've, I've made tailored these others in each one of these sections to deal with my situation. And, um, and then uh, they are accompanied by a ledger, and I have had them served, and I've got them all posted uh, thanks to Charles – uh, publicly, and in some cases for a couple of years now. And, uh, you know, it doesn't mean that I'm not prosecuting them yet. It means that, that uh, I'm, I'm getting ready to, uh, to do something. And, um, you know, I just want to make sure that I don't do a, a pull of Randy do and, um, and that uh, I do get my ducks lined up as best that I can. And, you know, no, no uh, you know, I don't – leans – I'm not familiar with yet, and I've just, um, I just, I do know that the everybody from the state to the IRS um, uh, thinks that they can just take something without a judicial anything, and I've had uh, uh, the, the state of Michigan uh, threaten me uh, to establish some kind of a false claim, which I can prove is false, and then... Um, uh, claim that at any time they want to, they can garnish my, anything from my, you know, wages to uh, to take my take something that's supposed to be coming back from me from the state on income tax or so or something like that. And uh, my response to that has been, hold on, but hold the bus here. Uh, hey, Mr. Uh, Treasurer of, for the state of Michigan. Uh, you 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 uh, you want to check this out here because I have a claim here. Uh, you can take a look at it, and uh, why don't you just deduct what you think I owe you, and you send me the balance of what you owe me, and what I've gotten in return from the Treasury, from the Secretary of you know, uh, Michigan Treasury is, uh, well, we don't have any record of you owing us anything at this time. So that's kind of the way they play it so far. Yeah, I've um, had success with... Um I've been doing a process that is very similar to a commercial process in that, you know, when I get a letter from the state or whatever, I call it a claim. And then I send a notice and demand uh, to um, show cause or abate your claim and slash counterclaim. So I'm issuing a counterclaim, and my counterclaim is an affidavit of my rights that you're violating and then you have a time to respond to that. And if you don't respond to it, you're going to owe me, you know, the big money. So it's like I had one claim that I had from the state of California uh, for a fire fee on property that I owned. And basically they kept threatening me and jacking it up and putting penalties on it and stuff like that. So I just sent them, sent the governor and the head of the franchise tax board and the person at the franchise tax board who called me up and started his, you know, a verbal claim against me along with his written, you know, evidence that I used as exhibits. And I said, you know, if you if you can't prove your claim, then you're going to owe me $100,000 each. So I sent a, a default on it, and they defaulted for hundred grand apiece, not proving their claim. And then I sent a uh, demand for payment to risk management. And um, they never sent me another letter, period. That was it. So... 
notice and demand and uh, abatements and um, orders to show cause, uh, counterclaims, they have an effect. And it, it, this is, you know, the, the ease of doing it is, you know, it would be improved upon by doing a, a criminal complaint. And it's easy to get, like, you know, with Hartford's thing, you just check off the boxes, and pretty soon you got like six or seven boxes checked off. Uh, you're impairing the obligation of the contract. You're taking my property without due process. You're issuing a bill of attainder because you're saying I owe this fee. I owe X amount of dollars, but there was no jury trial that established that there was a debt due, right? So if there's no jury trial, it's a bill of attainder. Um, I'm entitled to know the nature and cause of the charges against me. I'm entitled to an accounting under a bill of particulars. I'm entitled to know who you are, and if you have an oath of office, what authority you have to make this claim, you know, what facts you're relying on that I'm liable for this claim. And um, I think that I would strictly stay away from filing a lien against any a, a government official because I think that definitely that's a dangerous place to go. I know plenty of people that have done it and not been sued over it, and my, you know, my demands is you, you failed to um, answer my claim, and, and you defaulted, and I I said sent you a default judgment on it, a uh, certificate of default, and, um, and I'm sending you a request for payment here, fill out the coupon on the bottom and pay me a million dollars or whatever, and then, you okay. know, if you, if you put... Yeah, I, I excuse me for interrupting. I know also that the uh, you know the notice of uh, liability that the uh, the the smart meter, um, the uh, uh, oh God, power. forgive, me. Uh, yeah, in power movement is uh, is doing. Uh, it, it's the same. It's just I, I see it as virtually the same thing. Uh, you're establishing a claim. You, you're serving them. They've got a step-by-step -step process where you give them the second notice and the third notice, and, and then you start billing them. And um, so my question is, and maybe Charles can start uh, chiming back in on this one, and anybody else, please, I, I, I'd like to know. All right, we've established our claim. They have acquiesced. We, uh, You know, uh, the, the next step would be, to go file your lien, okay? But in lieu of filing the lien that we are shying away from, this is where I'm thinking that, that the next thing to do is to pool these resources because now are, these are verifiable resources, and, and, and this is in the classic Hartford Van Dyke uh, style, is to to have these as a resource now, which can be banked on, and it's backed. It's backed by uh, hard cold facts, and um, and and these people have been paid. Um, you know, we've established our claims. A lot of times, we've established our claims against pe people who have been paid to do what they what we are calling criminal acts. And so the public is also owed money back for that malfeasance and gross negligence, dereliction of duty, and all the whatever else you want to call it. And uh, and so there's there's real value there. Now the problem is getting people to to accept that as having a higher value 
than than the criminals manufacturing more uh, uh, Federal Reserve notes. So, but as as Charles is speaking, if we if we keep promoting it right and marketing it right and and working together and and things like this that that eventually uh, you know, we know they're going to take it down anyway i mean and not our stuff but their stuff their stuff's going down and it's just a matter of time and uh at what point do do the people start taking a serious look at what we're doing and especially when we're working with cryptocurrencies uh how i'm I think we're on to something. I just uh, the the pieces of the puzzle are kind of floating around. It's just a matter of putting them together. I think. I yield. I, I, my position is I would not file a lien, but if you send them a um, coupon and you request them to pay, you're not. If, if you if you don't if you send them an order to pay, you're kind of crossing the line. You know, it's the wording of how how you present it. You know, you defaulted, you now owe me this money, you know, I'm requesting that you pay, that you fill out the coupon below, <laughs> which is voluntary on your part, right? <laughs> pay to the order of me, you know, $1 million. And so, well, I, I think where I'm going with it is not to go back to them again and ask them to pay anything. That, that's a, an exercise in futility as far as I'm concerned. I'm thinking about taking the value of that and starting to do what what Hartford Van Dyke did, uh, not the way he did it, I don't think, because now we got cryptocurrencies and other things in there. But what he did was he dispersed uh, these uh, rebate notes. Yeah, I and, I've, I've seen them and I understand them, but but they have no value. I mean, the only value they have is like, like he said, um, you can commercially trade. So let's say you have a um, you have a debt, and he has a debt that's for five billion dollars. And maybe he'll get some country who has a debt to the United States and say, "Okay, I'll buy your five billion dollar note for uh, five hundred thousand." You go, "Sure, give me five hundred thousand in cash, and uh, you can have my five billion dollar note, and then they can pay off the United States with their five billion dollar note." You are absolutely right, and I I think that that would be you know you can uh, I, I that would certainly be worth pursuing, and even making it uh, you can try to even formalize it, but taking it to a, um, uh, a an international um, uh, court in commerce I forgot what it's called uh, yeah, international court of claims I think it's called something like that. Uh, and I, although that's risky because I, I, I believe that the judges of the International Court of Claims, like all of our federal judges, are part of the uh, International Association of Judges. With, right. You know, so. can, I, can I jump in here, fellas? Um, Go ahead. Thank you. Um, um, a lot of what is being discussed here is is disharmonious with due process of law um uh at least the, the 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 conventional strategies and options that seem to be available um um 
the lien process, the commercial default process. That's part of commercial law. Commercial law is not due process of law. Due process of law is common law due process. It's a separate category than, than the commercial and administrative default process. And similarly, that plugs into David's reference of, of going to international courts. International courts are just different versions of a larger jurisdiction of the Roman Empire model of judicial process. That's not um, harmonious with due process of common law. See, uh, and, and, and where the traction is in, in my wordy proposition here is, is that instead of just doing the defaults, which, which are not solidly rooted in, quote, the rule of law, um, unquote, um, uh, having a jury unanimously affirm that Dick Cheney or Hillary Clinton or somebody owes billions of dollars to the public treasury or something, um, um, that would be head and shoulders superior to any commercial default process, and it would also be head and shoulders superior to International Court of Claims, I dare suggest. I yield. I agree, and that's where the, your, that's where the brilliance, <clears throat> and, it's, and it's simple brilliance, uh, you know, because you're you're just going back to the common law, and the 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 hundred court, the you know the the precincts. Here here it is again, and uh, and I think that that in today's world these communities can be set up uh, uh, interstate or uh, interstate between the states. And um, and and you know, uh, virtual communities now are are uh, well. It, it, we don't have to do. It's hard to find people in our our neighborhood that uh, you know that. Uh, so I think that we could do that if if it takes twelve, if it takes twenty four, however many. Uh, I believe that. Uh, the, the facts are out there. You've already got mine posted. Uh, the claims are there. The facts behind them are all there. The acquiescing is all there. Um, so all it needs is uh, is is uh, a look see and uh, an adjudication. So um, anyway, and then from that point forward, then then what? Let me ask you. What what comes after that? How? Then can we disperse, uh, start making loans, or I mean, what? We will control spigots that will be able to produce flow of of economic credits to to our common people. What, what we need to target is the poor people at the grassroots level, and to and to incentivize the poor people at the grassroots level to sign. The qualified electors oath of office, and, and and at that point we've got more people to to assemble the jury verdicts in our small local communities, and and thereunder we can we can we can get due process of law judgments of indebtedness 
of fines against uh, uh, these corrupted public servants and corporate CEOs, like what Ali's talking about with the, the smart meters and the chemtrails and stuff. Um, um, so, so we've got the, the future is bright. This is all going to come to a head. The cryptocurrency moved, movement is moving ahead uh, at breakneck speed. The, the technologies that are coming through from Hartford and, and the other for, uniform commercial code people, uh, that's moving ahead. And, and, and what we're doing with common law and stuff, that's moving ahead. And, 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 and there's so many people bringing forth so many different technologies to produce accountability and righteousness in our governing process that that the the days are numbered they're they're either going to have to uh do a total meltdown and do an EMP pulse to shut down all of the electronics in the whole nation or else or else we're going to take the nation back here guys it's in the cards i i yield here the the futures are very bright here I, from my perspective. Well, my comment to David is that um, I don't see anybody benefiting financially from claims. I I see that, you know, it's like if you put in a criminal complaint and they're not doing anything, then they're acting badly. If you get default judgments on them uh, commercially, it's not, I don't know that anybody is ever going to get paid on those. Um, And, you know, it's, it, because it's really like uh, uh, Charles would say, it's not common law. In common law, it's like it's whatever's obviously right, right? I mean, nobody can owe billions of dollars. That's for some kind of acts they've done. That's not exact. That's just somebody's pie in the sky claim that it's worth that much. Well, if Max, if I might um, uh, stretch the envelope here, perhaps. Um, um, there's people that have died, and uh, uh, the result was a commercial claim against the person that allegedly committed the murder. And at that point, I would dare suggest that a person's life is worth billions of dollars. And you can make the claim that, you know, um, if somebody, like, in, in um, if you spent a year in jail, right, let's say you have... Um, uh, title 18, 241 charge, and it's 10 years in jail, right? Yeah. But, yeah. but reasonably speaking, you you violated your oath of office, and you arrested me without a warrant and without probable cause that I committed a crime, and you used the power of government to act as a terrorist organization. Mm-hmm. And it was your actions that did this, and so I'm, you know, accusing you of this felony. And let's say you don't go to jail but for 10 years, but you go to jail for three years or two years. Are you telling me that for te- that's worth ten grand to you? I mean, you're going to pay. You know, ten grand is too cheap for three years in jail. Yeah, you're going to pay a lot more than ten grand for three years in jail. I'm not going to go to jail for three years and then only be owed ten thousand dollars for that. So um, the monetary amount, you know, in two forty one is really light compared to what reality would be if you got convicted of of violating somebody's rights, you know? You took their property without uh, due process. You basically acted as a state actor and stole property using your power and authority of the state. I mean, you're worse than a highwayman. At least a highwayman, we know you're a criminal. We know you're an an outlaw. 
and if you steal my property, it's like, okay, you know, you're a scumbag. When you did it with a police officer's uniform on or a tax collector's uniform on, now you're worse than, you're way worse than, than an outlaw who's doing it. Mm-hmm. And that's why we need something more than commercial remedy. These criminals need to be arrested. They need yeah. to be put in jail uh, for the three years that they're wrongfully putting innocent people in jail. Right. It's like if Hartford's going to go to jail for seven years, then everybody that put him there deserves to go to jail for for three times that, 21 years. And you think anybody would ever do that again? No. And But, you know, as far as um, collecting monetarily, I don't see that as as something that you could end up doing. So instead of filing a lien and then getting charged with um you know, filing uh, fraudulent documents and mail fraud, or sending false uh, extortionary uh, documents through the mail. And, you know, these are felonies you're going to go to jail for a long period of time for. It's not worth doing that to file a lien because you're not benefiting from filing a lien. But if you send them an, a uh, request to pay, it's the same thing. And if you wanted to get the same effect as a lien, why don't you just note, uh, give, send a note to t- uh, TRW this person owes you a million, a billion dollars, and what are they going to do? <laughs> if they record it, that person is screwed. Well, and uh, you can do like I. Uh, there is a. Uh, I know credit cards now are, are uh, if they are not collecting, that they will. They will. They're starting to write off whatever they think you owe. And then they notify the IRS of that write-off, and they're writing it off of their uh, their uh, their losses, whether they're true figures or not. And then they're they're filling out a an IRS form just for doing that, and then they then that makes the IRS come after us for the taxes on their write-off. So that's not a bad idea, not the uh, a TRW, but to notify the IRS that that these people, these corporations, this government, or if you want to call them that, the, the, the municipal, uh, that that uh, you have written this off and that they owe, these are losses, but then if you're not paying taxes, that doesn't serve you any good either. So... Um, what I was talking about is coming up with a new currency, the cryptocurrency. The, 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 I disagree with some, one thing. that The only thing I've heard that I disagree with is you saying that that what uh, those rebate notes and the stuff that, that Hartford Van Dyke distributed, that they are worthless. I disagree. Uh, the the value because his values that he put on those things were based on facts, were based on his own criminal complaints, and uh, and 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 you know I I haven't seen all of those and evaluated him and all everything else, but he's got a book you know and of, of which he's got some copies and stuff like that in it, and uh, I believe that they are worth something. Um, and and the the fact is that if if everybody who knew about them felt that they were were had value, then like the the worthless paper that that uh, you know the, the the Federal Reserve notes, then 
uh, if the, as soon as they start seeing the value of what he's got as higher than the value of the Federal Reserve notes, then they'll then they'll move in that direction. And what I'm proposing is to, for, which and I think that Charles is kind of going in that direction too, and that is, and this includes the marketing aspect of it, and that is to start a uh, a new currency that people would prefer to deal in as a, as based on the values that that we have, which includes the, the the fact that there are certain numbers of criminals. I mean, these are coming out now. And the president has placed a, a formal order stating that anybody that is, has been associated with corruption and stuff, that these people will lose their property. And while we can't yet walk up to their doorstep and, you know, put a lock on it on whatever their property is, we still can move in that direction of taking the value of what we know is covered under those that presidential order or any other criminal complaint that have been acquiesced to, place those values into a bank and, uh, and start encouraging people to to start trading these things. They, they might not be able to take it and buy a home with it at this time, but it doesn't stop them from uh, collecting some of these things and start maybe trading some of these things. And if, if you're working in the cryptocurrency area to be, uh, in, in you know doing it that way, I I, I don't know that much about that, but uh, this is the direction I'm I'm seeing as value. I yield, and I'm gonna have to go to bed here pretty soon too. Go ahead, Charles. I do want to hear some response. Well, I I'm glad others are wanting to share too, but I want to briefly at least mention that um um it. In, a, in, in pure common law society, like before the Norman Conquest of 1066 in England, there was no commercial law. It was a barter-based economy, and, and if you wanted uh, uh, five pounds of grain uh, for two ounces of silver or an ounce of silver or whatever, uh, you, you bartered at the time. And, and, and maybe there was some promises going back and forth. But there was no mechanism in place for, quote, the enforcement of debts, unquote. All of that came in with the Norman Conquest, which was a combination of Jewish commercial law along with Roman civil municipal law. Um, and, and so we've got two different competing economic models here. And, and um, in common law, you don't have the right to take property unless somebody stole the property from you and, 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 and you're bringing an action to get the property back. This is the law of trespass and things like that. Um, the laws of ejectment. It's embodied within the laws of ejectment for um, uh, taking real property back and similar for cars and things and horses. Um, 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 but it, it's based upon the maxim that possession is nine-tenths of the law and that is still good law uh, uh, still on the books, um, uh, hasn't been overturned in case law precedent, 
And that's the model of government that that is still obligatory under our constitutional system here in the United States of America. But unfortunately, the corrupted judges of the civil governments of the state and the nation have have perverted and twisted uh, the environment away from those more fundamental common law due process concepts, and they've erected this entire superstructure of of debt enforcement, uh, uh, militant debt enforcement that's twisted away from um, um, the, the, the good principles in commercial law as well as the fundamentals of common law due process. So, so we've, we've got um, a mechanism uh, that's in place and that is economically oppressing us, but it is finding cover in the fact that this artificial overlay has been created that is a combination of Jewish commercial law and um, Roman civil municipal law that is all working to the detriment of and, and obscuring of um, uh, the fundamental simple concepts of common law due process. And at that point, I'd yield. I yield. I, uh, I think I made my point. I'd like to hear others' comments on this back and forth. Yes, I yield. I just wanted to say I I don't find that uh, um, Hartford's notes ha are worthless. They're just they're worthless from the standpoint of the point of money is that you can go and buy things of that somebody will exchange your notes or your promises to pay or whatever for something of value that you want. And having been involved with community cash, you know, years and years ago, it's like it's a nice concept, but if you can't uh, go anywhere and buy stuff with the um, paper that you have in your wallet, then it's not it ha it has little worth to you, you know. And that if um, I get it, well, and, and I I do just so for anybody else that's listening uh, and interested in knowing how he did it is that he was not trying to he never tried to he, he said he was he was jailed for seven years. It wasn't because he was passing out these rebate notes, because basically he was not trying to purchase things with the rebate notes. What he did, as I understand it, is that he would make legitimate purchases with, um, let's say if he wanted to buy $20 worth of something, he'd pay $20 for the something to make a, a, a legitimate deal in the eyes of the de facto. But then he would also pay a $20 uh, rebate note and say, here, here, this, this is, this has $20 value to me based on what I've got written on the note here, which backs it up because these are all facts. And this, what, this is where, you know, these people in government were paid X amount of dollars. And so here have $20 of a rebate of what you are owed as an American taxpayer that's already been paid, and now it needs to come back to you because of these criminal complaints. So, And then he'd do the same thing, $50 here, $50 there, wherever he went, and then if, if just as a generous donation, he'd go to a hospital or somebody, you know, I don't know, and, you know, put, put 200000 down or, or something, you know, in a rebate as a gift. So he was. This is how he was distributing these rebate notes, and you know, if if and he he likens it to a newspaper as well. 
because he would get fine he'd get the fine print in on on these rebate notes, which basically is a publication uh, of, of uh, and distribution of a of, like newspapers of um, of getting the the public to understand what the hell has just happened that these these criminals are are in operation and they owe us money back uh, because of this. And uh, I think in in today's world where even the FBI has a secret society and and, and the whole all of America is no, is watching this 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 circus unfold of uh, you know the Democrats and the Republicans and all this crap that's going on with this stuff and and uh, uh, I I think that the, the our society is primed to say hey. Give me a few of those. I'll hold on to them. You know, you know how many people are holding on to dinars right now, just waiting. Uh, you know, and not all of them are waiting. They're, you know, they're uh, they're they're making plans. And so um, uh, this is just another. And I've got a few dinars too. I'll, I'll throw that in on the bank. <laughs> hey, uh, let me just add while I got the the horn here that. Um, uh, if that, uh, I, I, pardon me for not getting your name right. If, if it is Max that uh, that we've been speaking with, and I I, I really appreciate uh, your being on this call and um, and contributing. Uh, please, Charles, if you'll give him uh, my phone number or uh, the uh, the email address that he requested, I'd, I'd be happy to to share that. Uh, I'm not in my at my computer, and so I can't put it in the chat. And if he's not in the chat, then be, feel free to uh, give it to him. You know, maybe after the call is uh, stop recording. And um, uh, you know, I'd uh, I'd like to stay in touch with him, and uh, we'll see what we can do to keep things going. And I hope to hear hear him on the call next time. I yield. Yeah, Charles has my email. He sends me emails all the time, so he can just email it to me. Yeah. Perfect. I'll try to remember that from both of you guys. If either one of you can kind of send me an email to remind me to do that, I'll, I'll, that'll be enough to make sure that it doesn't slip through the cracks while I'm gotten all kinds of watching the monitor and everything. I, you uh, got it. Is it Max? Is it Max M A X? Yeah, M A X F, Max F. Okay. All right. Thanks. Yeah. All right. I'll get on that, Charles. Very good, um, David. Thank you. Um, and, and you're both excellent. Uh, I I I thrive in in environments where there's intelligent people. Um, um, uh, having good serious, relevant conversations about important issues like like what's bouncing back and forth between you both. I, I'd like to just just briefly um, uh, um, point out another aspect to, to build on the, the dichotomy between the, 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 the barter-based economy of, of pure common law society uh, versus um, uh, the, the debt economy. That we're we're presently in. Um, um, see, um, when when we, you have that juxtaposed, clearly both polar sides of of the barter-based economy model, where there's no enforcement of debts, uh, and then the other type of Roman Empire 
and Jewish commercial law uh, model where there is enforcement of debts. You've got you've got a military police state with lots of cops standing around with their hands in their pockets, not doing anything until somebody claims that, oh, hey, that guy owes me some money, so I need you to kick him out of his house or take his car away or something. Then those military police state authorities come into play and go out there and kick the people out of their home or take their car away from them or something. That's a society where you have enforcement of debts. And 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 so back to my illustration of, of, of 12 spigots for the entire USA or any nation or community that adopts um, 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 the type of common law economy process that I'm trying to advocate here is that um, um, it's the, the 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 commercial law is is basically a perversion of the laws of nature. It's man-made law, um, whereas a barter-based economy is based upon natural law. When when you have promises to pay circulating around in enforcement of debts, that's a man-made artificial economy. That that is is ripe for opportunism for malicious people to take advantage, um, um, and so they're under uh, the, the the twelve distribution faucets for the flow of economic resources. There's two different kinds of economic resources that that can flow through those twelve faucets to produce economic relief to our common people and and one of those um uh sources of economic resources is things like the completed liens and 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 the credit instruments that Hartford and others are securing um because at that point you've got authority to quote discharge debts and see our present american population is under a mountain of debt I've I've got credit cards with debts on them. Uh, uh, most people have debts. Your phone bill and your light bill and and your gas bill is is usually a debt. Okay, but but see we can through economic resources such as the perfected liens that we're talking about, we can use um, those type of easily created credit debt instruments to, quote, discharge debts, unquote, of our common people that desperately need relief from the mountains of debt that they're suffering under. And that's all in one category off to the left side or something where we're just dealing with commercial issues and we're trying to keep our common people alive through through the oppressive commercial system that is presently in place. But in contrast there too on the other hand we've got gold and silver coin and promises based thereon plus uh, what hartford was talking about from the other category of, of of a banking system based upon the skills of the common people like naturopathic health care or 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 insights in law where we can counsel people or we can we can shampoo their carpets or we can fix their car. These are skill sets that, that each of us as individuals have that 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 are marketable. That that when when people take our cryptocurrency they can see, oh well gee whiz, some people have uh, uh naturopathic health care um 
uh, insights that they can help me with my health care problem or uh, they can sharp, uh, shampoo my carpet or they can fix my car. These are valuable credit instruments because when I take it to that guy and I've got my car broken, he's going to fix my car for free, except I gave him his own credit debt instrument back um, uh, that he's issuing as part of our community banking system. I can get my car fixed or I can get my carpet shampooed or I can get any of another hundreds of other services, uh, a whole plethora of, of the different services that people need in their day-to-day life um, uh, can be issued upon real tangible assets, goods or services, as opposed to the mountains. Well, and that is limited. The, the sources of what we've got in real tangible assets in, in not only commodities, but also the skill sets of our are our, our people that are willing to pledge their their labors, their services as the basis of the currency. That that is is all in one um, category of tangible assets. I believe in our last conference, um, um, uh, Raymond called that asset-based currency. But on the other hand, we've got things like Bitcoin that are not asset-based currency. These are the category of the liens and things like that, where, well, liens might be backed up by assets such as uh, a corrupted public servant having a lien against his house or something like that. That is really good technology. But generally speaking, liens and commercial default process is not backed up by anything tangible like that. And so it's just uh, fiat currency it's not backed up by anything but but it does have value which is related to the discussion that was just going on here whether or not there's value that the, the value is it, it doesn't have intrinsic value okay it, it, it its value comes through the fact that we presently exist in a perverted economy that is combining uh, Roman Empire civil municipal law with Jewish commercial law to create mountains of debt that are oppressing the people. And so the value comes in the fact that we get to discharge debts or pay debts, as Hartford prefers to talk about, um, uh, through the use of these perfected commercial lien instruments or other types of Bitcoin-type fiat monies that are capable of, quote, discharging this perverse mountain of debt that we're all laboring under. I hope that made sense. I yield. I have a problem with that. Please share, Max. Well, the only um, way to exchange um, value is with gold and silver because any other system where you're not using a form of money that has intrinsic value, like a can of beans has intrinsic value, a two-by-four has intrinsic value, it costs a certain amount to reproduce. And so whatever that cost to reproduce plus a little extra – that's going to be the sale price of that item. And if you don't deal in reality, then you're then every time you have a system that uses some kind of uh, coupon, bill of credit, paper money, um, those that are going to be in charge and want to run the world are going to take advantage of that. 
Uh, I wish you had been able to uh, uh, join with us in our cryptocurrency discussion uh, last week here, Max. Um, um, the, the, the decentralizing of, of the ledgering process with the current cryptocurrency technology, such as Holochain is bringing forth, it, it decentralizes that control that you're complaining about here, sir. But for how long? It's infinite. It gets decentralized faster than any forces of oppression can try to scheme to centralize and control it. Well, I'm sure you've studied and are aware of the um, <clears throat> the court cases when they changed um, everything into forcing people to accept paper, right? In the 1880s, they, they had them the court cases on uh, currency and basically you know they base came out and said you know they're not going to honor contracts anymore some guy had a contract to um be, uh, get paid in gold bullion and the court said uh no you have to accept paper money you can't force somebody to pay in gold bullion even though they have a contract that says they're going to do that <laughs> this is where the minute you start getting into violating the constitution you end up with all kinds of problems. Well, um, in a world, with all due respect, the, the, the Constitution is a mechanism of Roman civil municipal law that brought in the commercial law of the Jews there. Um, a pure common law society would need the, 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 the scheme that's involved in that Constitution document. And I would like to uh, just make a little correction there on what I just heard again. Um, I believe, as I read uh, those some of those court cases myself, is that the uh, the uh, uh, if you already had a contract for bouillon, you got bouillon because that's what the contract said. But you could not have another contract where you ordered bouillon. Uh, so it, it, basically, if you already had a contract, you had to pay the bouillon. But uh, from that point forward, from that from the time that they they had uh, outlawed the um, transactions in uh, in gold, you know, in, in precious metals, then um, uh, or gold, uh, then um, uh, you can no longer uh, require a contract to be paid back in gold back uh, or metal back currency. I yield. <laughs> Um, I'd, uh, I'd say that, that when, when we comprehend that, that there's been an immense evil uh, perpetrated by the bringing in of, of the, the enforcement of contracts with Roman civil municipal law and Jewish commercial law, that that brought about an evil in um, um, uh, our Anglo-American organic constitutional uh, legal structure that that um, um, the the commercial process um, um, that we're we're working towards or, or that 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 is in play. I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought. I got to back off here. Are you? Well, this is uh, Allie, and I'd like to chime in again. 
May um, I? Please do. I, who else was talking? Uh, 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 Ali will talk here for a moment, but I just want to know, was it David or somebody else in line, too? No, no, no. I was just going to say I've got to go to sleep, uh, but I do want to hear what Ali's got to say, so I'm going to stay up longer. <laughs> is this David? You've got floor, Ali. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, this is David. I'm getting tired. Yeah, well, I think the good news is we have the money, and it goes into the trillions of dollars. And I'd like to explain how I know that. You see, back when I was an elected official, I was uh, one of the rare ones who did my due diligence. And one of the things that I investigated in the, oh, less than 10 years, well, about 10 years ago, somewhere in the last 10 years, was where was the money going from our Public Works Trust Fund? Well, I'd like to give you the latest update on our Public Works Trust Fund that I received on February 8th on a CAFER 1 National Post from Walter. And uh, Charles, what I'll do is I'll just share the first uh, short section of this five-page letter that I will email to you or email that I got from him um, so that I won't be wasting my words and make it shorter with his. He begins with, don't get angry, get even. Is and was there a news blackout on the CAFER? Okay, let's establish the fact that there has been a massive cooperative effort by the government, the news media, and controlled education in creating and maintaining an almost complete blackout of the mention of the comprehensive financial financial report, the CAFER in their efforts to keep general population clueless as to the financial takeover of the wealth of this country by collective government over the last 70 years. We all know Google is the most extensive search engine on the planet today. The trillions of open source records maintained by Google is of no equal. Of no equal. Well, this aspect of Google can be very telling when specific time periods are selected to be searched. For this example here, we will search the news feature of Google. Google archives go back over a hundred years. So was there any mention from the syndicated news media of the CAFER over the last 60 years? Keep in mind, the CAFER accounting structure started in 1946, oh my gosh, that was the year I was born. By the efforts of the GFOA, Government Financial Officers Association, and became the standard of action by GASB, Government Accounting Standards Board, across the land in 1977. The CAFER is local government's statement of net worth, the most informative showing of the actual and massive wealth held and income generated by every local government across the land or in personal comparison and individual statement of net worth. A document every taxpaying individual from across the land should have been going over with a fine-tooth comb to investigate and learn the true financial picture of their local governments that were hitting them up for decades, crying shortfalls of money for more, more, more in taxes, fines, and fees, and increases perpetually enacted each and every year. 
The CAFR is the local government's holy grail of accounting. So was there a cooperative effort being done to make sure the population did not have a clue? Well, he goes on proving that so. But when I, as an elected official, got into this, and I got my evidence that it was uh, mounting into the billions of dollars in just Washington State, not the trillions that they've been collecting across the United States over the last 70 years. And uh, I was, um, as an elected official, invited to attend uh, an uh, open government transparency in training session on March 24th, back in 2014. And I had an opportunity to speak with the current acting state auditor in the state of Washington. That's because they had, you know, trumped up old charges and taken away the act, the, the state auditor, Troy Kelly, and she, a 30-year veteran, was filling in for him for this session, training session on how to file public records and all of that because of the FOIAs and everything that was going on. Uh, and some think that he was ready to expose this, and that's one of the reasons they trumped up these charges and got him out of the picture so he didn't mention it at this training session for water and sewer district members from all over the state in Olympia. Well, I, I had that opportune minute to speak to her. And so I'm, I'm going to jump from there on to what happened after I met with her. This is, I'm going to read to you the email I received from Acting uh, State Auditor. Thank you for the link to this article. I would like to take this opportunity to be sure that we communicated well on March 24th. As I stated, I have received emails. Well, those emails were criminal charges filed by an advocate here in the state of Washington against them for the Public Works Trust Fund, the CAFR scam. Anyway, about the concerns you were expressing. I believe we agreed that the investments at the State Investment Board are legal investments, but in your opinion, unethical. I told you that we can only audit to what is a legal investment for the board. Therefore, I directed you to work with the legislature if you felt there should be a change in what is a legal investment for the board. This article is interesting, but will not change our conclusion about the audit of the CAFR. The investments that the board holds are under law legal investments. Well, the article I forward her uh, was uh, published by RT.com, how in the UK they had exposed this unethical investment. Probably. So uh, we have trillions of dollars. We just need to get it out of Wall Street. Ali, Ali, um, I'm glad you're sharing the 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 the. the documentation that um, um, a lot of people are unaware of, that the corruption of, of the slush funds that are being obscured through the CAFR reports, that is a legitimate concern for um, 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 the, 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 the corruption, the epidemic of corruption in, in, in our local governments and our entire financial accounting system. 
Um, oh, this but, is the biggest audit claim, uh, fraud ever because uh, th- th- this is money that should have been put into our, our bridges, our infrastructures, our schools, right. our right. hospitals, our libraries. I mean, the list goes on, and it's into the trillions well, of Well, th- with all due respect, sister, there's a number of, of profound frauds uh, that, that are quite capable of competing with, with the CAFR uh, uh, for, for the title of, of the worst fraud on the planet. Well, yes, but I, I'm speaking specifically about a financial fraud, a fraud that goes into the trillions of dollars that's taken place. So do the others. So, so does the Federal Reserve banking system go into the trillions of dollars, and that's entirely separate from the CAFR issue. Well, you know, they're all in the same boat. They are. They are. That's why we need to have the broad picture instead of focusing just singularly on one meritorious issue such as the CAFR issue. Yeah, well, I guess I took my oath as a water commissioner, and these things really concern me, especially on the local level and the local level. Well, and the, the, the corrupted agents on the water commission uh, uh, refuse to recognize the merits of, of your your legitimate complaint, right? Well, um, they did that not only on the Public Works Trust Fund, but they did that when I uh, did my investigation of water fluoridation, of how the uh, fallout from the chemtrails was impacting our open waters, and how the smart meters in the cell towers were impacting our sewer and water districts, too. And none of them would pay attention to me. Uh, They denied me. They dismissed me. uh, They didn't agree with me. And in the process of all that... I had an attorney even approach me, put a gag order on me, and threaten me. Yes, and that's and why... And they chased me out of office because I was speaking the truth. Yes, on a number of issues, which the CAFR was only one of a number of righteous issues that you were raising uh, uh, to these people, and they weren't having any of it, right? No, no, and I, I, I just find it really interesting that after 12 years being the only elected official I knew that I liked that I found, that I feel like I forgive me, but I am, in a sense, for, suffering from a form of PTSD. Well, it, we've all been traumatized by the evils that a lot of us have tried to address in these areas. Yeah, but how many of you have held a front row seat in the government and had that happen? It, that doesn't matter if our lives are being destroyed and we're de- we're standing up for what's right and true. Well, I, I'm not so worried about my life because I've had a really, really good one. I'm just worried about the children and our next generation and what we're trying to do to make theirs a better life. Well, that's what this conference is dedicated for, and that's why I'm glad you're here sharing energies with us, sister. Well... Thank you, brother, because it's nice to be in the fold with all of you as we bring forward the truth, and the truth is the worst enemy that uh, the evil has. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're, they're like cockroaches and rats. When you turn on the light, they go scurrying off to their little corners. Well, I light a candle every evening hoping that happens, that this light of the <laughs> candle will make them run away. <laughs> Right, but we need to focus on building our alternative economic system, and with with, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. If we can kind of bring the boat around back to our alternative economic system and how that 
I visualize that each 10-household township should basically be able to have their own bank and treasury, and, oh. and they can issue their own cryptocurrency. And, and oh, that oh would yes. Be- yes, it's it's all about we the people taking care of we the people with the government of, by, and for the people. Yes, we can do this. Yeah, well, they don't want us to do that. There's 535 of them that are taking that away from us. They're making all the decisions for us. Well, the laws on us. Look at the odds on that, Charles. There's only 535 of them. We need to activate the people. Well, they've got some jackbooted Nazis in the FBI and the BATF that are backing them up that are also part of the problem. Yeah, well, they've all been, they've all sold their souls. Well, the the number is bigger than just 535. Yeah, um, but they sold their souls to the ones that are making it happen, and they carry it out. So, you know, most of them, as I see them, are, I have to go back to my reality check of that they're minions for Satan. Well, well, we get a question there at, at who's the sock puppet, who's the who's the puppet, and who's the real string master? Maybe it is the uh, 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 senators and representatives that are um, uh, 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 pulling the strings, but maybe they're just mouthpieces that are terrorized because uh, they've got some child porn pictures or something of of them, and and maybe somebody in the CIA is threatening them unless. For for passing bad legislation that gives color of legitimacy to to what the jackbooted Nazis are really doing. Well, we've certainly uncovered the whole setting for this movie we're in, and I, I think it's just wonderful all the things that all of these wonderful workers of the lights are doing, and what we are putting together. Because when we finally get control back to our being. We will have it in place. So shame on us if we aren't doing this work to have it in place when we get it back. Mm-hmm. And with that, I yield. Thank you. Um, I admitted a few people there in the background. It looks like we locked Max um, um, and a number of others. We're kind of dwindling down here. Um, um, well, anybody else? Any comments what did you say? It's almost two and a half hours. Okay, well, we usually go a little bit later than that. but um, um, Well, you and I are on the West Coast. Yeah, yeah, the East Coast people. Um, they might have a few more uh, burdens to worry about. But um, um, as, as it's dwindling down here, we can uh, loosen up the, the muting of the callers and things if there's Others that might like to share in our conversation here a little bit, too. That'd be good. Oh, I, I would love to get some feedback from what uh, from others than us that have been speaking from anyone that's here. Um, you know, because the truth hurts, but ignorance is killing us all. And uh, we're pushing back on that. I remember a time when we, when I was young, and they were talking about how our life existence was increasing. Our years, we were going to be older and older. Uh, I think that's a good thing. 
Yeah, yeah, you know, and I, I look at some of my older friends who are in their 80s and 90s and one that's almost 100 and how many people I've known that have lived to be 100 or 102 and one to 105 and uh, what gifts they were to just have them briefly on the same journey with me so I could learn from them. Well, there comes a time for putting down books and putting on the armor of God and going into battle against the forces of evil. Well, I'm doing the best that I can, but it seems I spend more time polishing my armor. (laughs) Well. And my uh, armor, my words and my documents, because, uh, and and, and also uh, calming myself and, and, you know, as Walter said, don't get angry, get even. Uh, Well, my saying back in 2003 at the National Peace Alliance Conference when um, Dennis Kucinich was reintroducing, he was a congressman then reintroducing his bill to establish a Department of Peace, someone asked me why I was there. And I said, because I read an article about this and I thought, this is really good. A Department of Peace, that's a 180 to the Department of War. Well, our judiciary is supposed to be a Department of Peace. The entire judicial department is 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 supposed to follow due process of law, which is supposed to produce peace on for for everybody in the land. Yeah, we used to have peace officers. Well, um, um, yeah, but the reason we don't is because the entire judicial department is obstructing the course of justice, and 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 you don't need when when you've got a, a judiciary that's here promoting uh, debt enforcement instead of keeping the peace, then you need mindless Nazi drones that are programmed like robots to serve your purposes, and, and, and you don't want people thinking about keeping the peace that are carrying the guns around, or else there are going to be problems. Yeah, that's like that guy who he ran for one of our uh, uh, councils around here, uh, he he has some degrees from the University of Washington, so he he speaks with authority because he has degrees. And he actually told me that the wireless technology was not harmful, and artificial intelligence was good because people don't know how to take care of themselves. And well, I said to him, Oh. So you you have a degree from a university? And he says, well, yes, I do, uh, in law and physics. And I says, well, your degree is no longer applicable because you were taught lies. And so why are you now working as an Uber driver? He's working as a Uber driver, and he's got a degree, and, and, and he thinks intelligentsia has the answers to these questions? Yes. Well... He, he is sat across the, the table from me at a Campaign for Liberty meeting, and I was the only one that replied to his comment out of all the people sitting around that table. Wow, wow. And it was disappointing because of who some of the people that were sitting around that table and how they are using the legal or the 
you know, the NOL process and other things that we're doing here in Seattle. I'm not a big fan of LA, NLA. I think they're a bunch of goofballs. They don't know what they're doing. But, um, uh, yeah, I'm 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 kind of there too because uh, we are in the a position to take the next step, and uh, it's on hold right now, and waiting to see where we're going to go with it. And uh, the suspense is uh, uh, really disappointing for me because we shouldn't have any suspense. We should be right in place doing it because that's what we're supposed to be doing. Yeah, yeah. Can can I um I, so I posted I'll the yield with that. Pardon me? I'll yield with that. Okay. Um um I'd like to point out briefly a uh a, a, an avenue for redress of grievances that is um uh in, enshrines a common law principle in, in Oregon statute one sixty two dot three twenty five. I posted web link in the chat room. There, but basically it says um, a person commits the crime, class C felony crime, person commits the crime of hindering prosecution in Oregon, similar to obstruction of justice, hindering prosecution, if the person prevents or obstructs by means of force, intimidation, or deception anyone, anyone from performing an act which might aid in the discovery or apprehension of such a criminal. Um, oh, that, that that sounds like the the uh, Bundy trial. Well, and Lavoie Finnegan. Huh? That that sounds like Lavoie Finnegan. Well, Lavoie Finnegan was. And, and what the judge decided and dismissed the case on la- on lack of prejudice. Well, I don't comprehend what you're saying, Eric. Can you give more details how that all fits together? Well, um and Bundy is, is free now, and so are many of the others. There are still some being held. Uh, but Judge Navarro, uh, she dismissed the case due to prejudice. Uh, how's that? that ha- is evidence being withheld. How does that relate to our hindering prosecution? Oh, are you saying that the judge in charge of that case was was hindering a prosecution? No, she just—it was basically that evidence was being withheld. Well, how does that relate to the statute that I just cited? Withholding evidence. Is that hindering prosecution? Yes. Mm, I think there's absolutely, a difference. Absolutely, absolutely, because it can't be retried again about That's... those people who were withholding evidence, and we have all the evidence, and it's coming out in a documentary of uh, Lavoie Finnegan. Dead man talking. Hmm. Well, and well. it's about uh, the BLM and uh, the military and everybody else who was involved in taking all the land uh, on Or One. Yeah, yeah, I'm familiar with all that, and uh, there's merits there. I, no doubt, you're onto something solid. Um, but um, um, I was trying to point out that hindering prosecution statute there. Um, um, empowers anyone to conduct investigations and 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 to confront people uh, that are corrupted public servants. We've we've got a whole lot of laws, including a lot of statutes, that work in our favor, and and I think it's important to to um, um, be able to cite those when we're confronting the agents of evil here. Um, Knowledge is good. Huh? 
knowledge is good. Well, yeah, but we can our our brains, especially in this modern information age, can get overloaded and saturated. So we got to prioritize the all the knowledge that we're immersed in. Um, uh, and and some of it's just of really small value, and others is of really seriously important value. And um, uh, when when statutes like the one I just cited say that a person's committing a Class C felony if he obstructs anyone who is claiming that they're trying to investigate a crime, then then they need to get out of the way and allow that person to do his investigation instead of being a public servant that obstructs the course of justice here. Well, I, I, you're, I, I can't come back with any argument or statement against that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to unmute Jeremiah here. He called back in recently. Um, there you are, Jeremiah. How you doing? Hey, Charles. Pretty good, man. I was just uh, sitting back listening to the whole call, and uh, a lot of a lot of good things being said there. A lot of inspiring words being said there by a lot of uh, people that seem interested in what you're doing. Okay, I'll be honest. They the people had a lot of good things to say, but the reason why I chimed in was because. I heard someone talking about liens, and I had to chime in because talking about what? A lot lean, lean, lean. You know, lean. Yeah, lean. The reason why I chimed in is because <clears throat> Charles, you and I, we have hit on a lot of excellent, excellent co- commentary. We're like, we have a lot in common. I believe that you and I are both very much in the same grain of thinking. Like. We have the same kind of approach to the common law. Like, if it wasn't for you, though, I wouldn't be able to have this particular understanding of it. You, you definitely steered me in the right direction. So, people that are listening should be paying really, really close attention and just following your instructions. Just listen to Charles. Don't sit here and try to come in with your own approach and whatever you've learned. Listen to Charles and do your research, because I promise if you do that, you're going to find that what he's saying is absolutely 100% correct. It's 100% correct. What Charles mentioned about the, the lien was that it came from the Roman civil aspect, meaning basically that the common law is... The use of the lien in common law is kind of a most is a recent fixture. It's not. It hasn't. It wasn't always a fixture in the past. It's more of a recent. You know, it's a recent activity of, of the common law. Meaning, the common law lien is actually new. It's new, and it was all, it's only within the last fifty or a hundred years that it's been actually being used. Because. Traditionally speaking, of course, the liens are civil law in in nature, as is family law. Family law. See, Charles, the problem that people are maybe it's not a problem, Charles. Maybe in fact we're we're surrounded by COINTELPRO, and everybody's actually trying to like hide the fact that the common law offers so much freedom. 
You see what I'm saying? Like, there's a there's people out here that act like they know about the common law and Are that they agree yielding? with you. Can I make a comment? I want to make a well, clarity about liens. Yeah. Well, I'd like to finish up here if I don't if I could. I haven't spoken the whole call. Hello. Yeah, I haven't been speaking at all on the call. You, you mind if I get my own? I'll yield the mic and I'll be brief. If Charles wants to cut me off, that's fine. Hello? Yeah, I'm right here. Go ahead, Allie. Hello? Allie. Anyways. Charles, do you understand what I'm saying? That, 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 that the I do, Jeremiah. Means... There's, there's yeah. merit to what you're saying, but, yeah. uh, and I appreciate your kind words about myself, but... Um, oh, dude, come on, you already know. Yeah. We we can pass the microphone around a little bit here. Allie, did, do you sure, have sure. something sure. that you wanted to get in? Mm-hmm. Allie? I, I think she may have gotten cut off, Charles. <clears throat> well, maybe so. Okay. It's, it's yeah. sounding like dead air there, Allie. Um, yeah. Well, maybe we'll go ahead and let Jeremiah finish his point then, Allie. Go ahead, Jeremiah. My only point was that that the the lien, if they're going to use it in common law, Charles, like, we need to be paying attention to the Gordon Hall and the Rich, what's that called? Um, What was his name again? He was Rich something. I forget his last name. Um... Uh, but he was not Iverson. Gordon Hall and the other guy, something something rich. What was his name? Ah, man, I forget. Anyway, the whole creditors and commerce when they were talking about private administrative process. That is common law, right? No. And it's no. What? Hold on. Let me let me finish my thought here. What I'm, what I'm trying to say is that this private administrative process is how we are going to be able to actually secure okay, our common law claims because when we're talking about liens only, I'm, not, I'm only talking about liens. Not, I'm not talking about any other type of claim or, or right or, du- or duty or any of that stuff. Merely when someone owes a debt under common law, you've got to do a private administrative process with that person or, you know, if you want to go the civil law route, you can do a lien, but you understand that those liens have time slots. They have to be, you have to act on those liens within specific parameters of time. And that's all coming from the Roman civil authority because under common law, there's no statute of, of limitations. So we need to remember that in order to enact, I'm sorry, enforce a, a common law lien, a, a proper private administrative process is absolutely 100% necessary. And, and you can do it as a township and come together as an association, and it's totally possible. And that's what we're seeing today is municipalities acting for the township, coming together with their little private processes, which actually have some form of effect in private international law as well, which is why we see corporations like ICLE coming to the rescue of all these, you know, local cities and counties all throughout the world. 
it's because private international law reflects private interests, not governmental necessarily. I mean, I don't know. I, I kind of said a lot right there, Charles. Right, right. Um, so, so Charles, this is Allie. I'm, I, I'm back. Can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah. What happened? Uh, it, it seems like I was cut off from speaking uh, because I just wanted to get a, give you my clarity about liens since I'm involved in that process. It's not about the money. It has nothing to do with the money in the liens. It has to do with putting a value on which you know of, against them for the harm that they're doing. We we don't want the money. We just want them to see how important this issue is to us. They already know how important the issue is to us. They don't care because they're criminals. I think you've got that right, my dear brother. Okay, well, it's all in the phrasing of the wording. We we got a deeper problem than how you phrased it there, sister. That's why I always like listening to you. <laughs> well, well, I I try not to be anal uh, about details like this, but there, there's there's pivotal points that that if you just happen to take a left turn when you should have taken a right turn, you you lose the whole thrust of of the justification for moving forward to bring about the changes that you're seeking. Yeah, it's like trimming the cells. What do you think of Jeremiah's issues um, uh, here that, that he was referencing? It's a lie. <laughs> Are you serious? You think I'm lying? No, I said delight. I, I, you know, Jeremiah. I, uh, what did you say? You're here. I, I think I can't even understand what you're saying. Right? Pardon? I'm right. Delight. Was it delight, Ali, that you said? Light. Light. Like a beacon. Oh, you mean like a beacon, oh. like an awareness point? Okay, I get it. Thank yeah. you, Ali. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You. You've. You've come a long Which ways. Is. You've come a long ways, my dear. I appreciate you. <laughs> You're funny. You know what? It's funny that you say I've come a long ways because I think you've been personally, just like a lot of other people, blocked from hearing my the truth that I have always been saying the whole ever since I've been on talk show. In other words, we've got we've got Contel Pro people on TalkShoe, literally trying to stop me from getting this message out. And the only reason why I'm able to actually get it out now and you actually see what I'm saying, and the only reason me and Charles were able to even connect also is because we're too quick. The truth is actually faster than the evil. Good is actually quicker than evil, is what I'm saying. And when you're doing good work, it's going to move a lot faster than evil does. And so right now... We're beyond the haters. We're beyond the the evildoers. We're moving faster, you guys. We're gonna we're on a good pace right now, I think. I'll be honest. That's that's what I think. I'm always honest, but what I'm saying is I'll be forthright by saying that I think we're moving a lot faster than the evildoers, which are the ones that are trying to stop the truth from getting out. Meaning the only the way to actually have lawful government in America is to get rid of Federal Reserve note usage, 
by our local communities and move into local currencies that are have that have nothing to do with the FRN, nothing at all. Hmm. I I find many very interesting when when since in my lifetime I've I've studied how many evolved, what it once was, and then it went into gold and silver, you know, from the beads and the shells to the gold and the silver, then to the Federal Reserve notes, and uh. here's one one quick point: Title Twelve, Section Four Eleven, tells you that Federal Reserve notes are for the use of the Federal Reserve agents. And that's it. Only for their use, but not for you and me. You're not a Federal Reserve agent. So when we as local communities start to use our local currencies and we move beyond the FRN via cryptocurrencies, that's the prospect that we're dealing with right now, right? We're going to be totally lawful, 100% lawful. Because we're not now, we're actually in in cahoots with the Constitution, which is about gold and silver. It's also about lawful money. You know, like I guess my point is that 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 if we use FRN, FRNs, we're 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 supposed to be treated basically like Federal Reserve agents. If we don't use them, and we use cryptocurrencies, we'll be in at least we'll be in more harmony with natural law and with lawful government than we would be if we followed the ill regulations of Congress by assigning us the, you know, the duty of having to use Federal Reserve notes. Who said we had a duty, by the way, to use FRNs? I don't think, Charles, that you can quote a duty. There's no duty to use FRNs, is there? No. All right. I said enough. Well, I, I'm I moved to share um, two short quotes. So one of my favorite quotes, if you would like to hear it, there by Woodrow Wilson. Please, Alan. Mm-hmm. And it, it's quotes from his New Freedom: "A Call for the Emancipation of the Generous Energies of a People." And because, despite warnings, Woodrow Wilson signed the 1913 Federal Reserve Act. But a few years later, here's what he wrote. I am a most unhappy man. I have unwittingly ruined my country. A great industrial nation is controlled by its system of credit. Our system of credit is concentrated. The growth of the nation, therefore, and all our activities are in the hands of a few men. We have come to be one of the worst ruled, one of the most completely controlled and dominated governments in the civilized world, no longer a government by free opinion, no longer a government by conviction and the vote of the majority, but a government by the opinion and duress of a small group of dominant men. And in that same work, uh, he continues to say, Since I entered politics, I have chiefly had men's views confided to me privately. Some of the biggest men in the United States, in the field of commerce and manufacture, are afraid of somebody, are afraid of something. They know that there is a power somewhere 
so organized, so subtle, so watchful, so interlocked, so complete, so pervasive, that they had better not speak above their breath when they speak in condemnation of it. I yield. Okay. Chuck, let me say something, Chuck, if you don't mind. Because I've heard that. I'm sure a lot of people on the call have heard that before. I, will, I know for a fact that, you know, in my research, I've, I've heard that probably at least 10 times, that, that speech, or at least looked at it 10, 10 different times. And You're debunking I, that, that he said that? I'm not debunking it, not at all. What I'm, what I'm trying to do is say that it's credible and that it's a good point of reference, but to get back to how we can actually infiltrate the agenda to deconstruct what we have here in America, I think... Yeah, well, that pretty much sums up what we have to deconstruct. Well... You know, we don't need to be afraid of it anymore because we know what it is. Let's let's let let me let me get a little more focused here for Charles because Charles knows how I like to think. I I am very very critical and very analytical. I and I'm thinking about tithing right now. Okay, I'm thinking about common law, consensual based government. Okay, that's exactly what Charles is talking about is consent based government. And when you use say cryptocurrencies or even Federal Reserve notes really. If you if you wrote down the serial number on each FRN and kept track of it at, and made mention of it as a tithe towards your local constituency, you could you could do the same thing that you could do with cryptocurrencies with the Federal Reserve notes. Because of the fact that the FRN has a serial number on it, you can keep track of it. So we don't need cryptos. We can do the same thing without it. But what I'm trying to tell you guys is that through tithing at the local level, through consent-based government, that's, that's the real way to do local government economics in the way that it's going to like best reflect uh, the common law, through consent-based taxation, where, where you're not being taxed, it's a tithe instead. And that tithing is actually part of the economics of the common law. And that, that hasn't been mentioned on this call all night, and it surprises me. Charles, would you like to comment on that? Well, no doubt the, the whole concept of tithing is fundamental to the alternative economic system that mm -hmm. I believe needs to be brought into place. It, it's non-coercive uh, system of... of Economic yes. fundraising for the, necess the necessities of government, um, and it's fully open source. Everybody can see what everybody's doing instead of the masses of deception that's going on through things like the CAFR accounts and things like that um, that are presently plaguing us. Um, so, yeah, mm -hmm. the tithing process is grassroots fundamentalism that produces a pure form of... Right. Well, when I was so a little girl, the church I went to, uh, we were required to uh, uh, tithe 10% of our gross income. See, now, Charles, now she's bringing up an excellent point. You know why? Because all these churches should be held responsible for the local constituents in the common law. In other words, they're paying their state taxes through their churches, 
whether they know it or not, that's what they're doing because it's a tithe. And those are all 501c3 corporations, meaning they have a state obligation. So if you got yeah, local, they pay no property taxes either. What I'm trying to no, well, let's get, my point is that they don't owe state taxes if they are tithing 10% to their churches. Yeah, uh, if I might jump in there, um, the um, I, one of my current uh, uh, most advanced inspirations, in my view, anyway, is mm-hmm. um, to to um, uh, place the twelve uh, uh, the inner circle of twelve that are um, to replace the present government of the United States in its entirety. Um, 12 member board of directors that are in control of the commerce and yeah. um, the, a, 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 and and each of those should re- represent a different religious faction. The the, the Roman Catholics can donate mm. uh, a tithing donation to the Roman Catholic Church and 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 the Mormons can donate a uh, uh, a tithing to the Mormon Church and and um, uh, the Pharisee Jews can donate. Uh, uh, tithings to the Pharisee Jews, but there's only 12 churches allowed. It, uh, uh, th- some of the smaller churches will have to be political subdivisions of some of the larger ones because we've got lots more churches than 12. But the point is that if we have a religious governing body through all the assemblies of all of the major different denominations of religion, then we can convert then we can abandon the concept of separation of church and state, and we can be talking about what are the religious values each of these ideological associations. Is the Netanyahu government of the de facto nation of Israel uh, uh, really um, 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 uh, optimal for advancing the religious values of a peace-loving, God-fearing people? Um I, I, I'm glad you segued into the religious issues there, Jeremiah, because I, I think we've got to move in that direction. The entire concept of, of, of a, a, a secular government that excludes religion, that's a fatally flawed concept in my Bingo! Opinion. Hell yeah, yeah, Charles, that's what's up right there. Bingo. Right. There, I, I, dare, I, I think Ali might agree with us on that. Is that correct, Ali? Uh, very much so. In fact, once I was asked to be a guest on a, a radio show, and uh, it was the first time that I had ever been asked to do a pre-interview, and uh, it was by a retired nurse. And as she was doing the pre-interview, she stopped me and she said, well, you know, this is a Christian radio show. And I said, no, I, I did not know that. But something that I must tell you that you don't know I do not need a church to connect me with God and his beloved son, Jesus Christ, just as I do not need the government and an insurance company to connect me with my health care. Okay, Ali, but but I think, oh, yeah, how did that work out? Yeah, I was like... (laughs) Well, she was speechless. (laughs) And I... uh, it's interesting how it worked because uh, uh, I didn't think she wanted me on her show. She arranged for another guest, and the next morning 
she called, she emailed me, and she was desperate because the guest she had scheduled to replace me had withdrawn. Would I be the guest? And somehow I missed up the hours in the time zone, and I called an hour early, and I couldn't get on. Okay. Well, Allie, so I look. never got on the show. Well, well, if okay. we can get to so, our main points, the the church, yeah, the church of the state, church and state. Combinate. In other words, the separation of church and state means, from my perspective, which is basically one where I studied constitutional law, bar review stuff, that stuff they teach the lawyers. And I'm just sharing this with you guys so you can use it, you know, at whenever you want. So use it as a grain of salt, with a grain of salt if you want. But the point is that separation of church and state are in place because the state is not supposed to be able to interfere with the religious practices of the people, in other words. Meaning, if the people wish to tithe in to the body politic and do it under their own religious scheme, say Christian or Muslim or whatever, that has to be respected by the states as well as the federal government. And so that that's where really where I think Charles and I right now are having our headway. And and also hopefully Allie too, is, is that we're moving forward here, Charles, we're making some great progress. I think. Yeah, these are important that, issues yeah. to discuss. Um, Can I hear and, and, a beautiful story about the church? Well, when I, can, I, can we hear what Charles has to say, and then Charles, maybe she can share her story? Okay, and, and it's good to try to stay on, on the same topic, too. I, um, uh, I, I lost my train of thought, um, uh, but, Ali, please, if it's, if it's right. on the same topic, um, go ahead, Ali. Well, I, I hadn't thought about this in years, but in that church that I grew up in in Salt Lake City, when I was in the primary, uh, we, we had this little bank that was designed like a building. And all of us kids donated our pennies. Donated our pennies. All the pennies we could collect. Give for our grandpas, our grandmas, anybody that would give us pennies. So we mm-hmm. could put them in the pennies of this uh, bank that looked like a building. And then it happened. They said with our pennies, they were able to build the primary children's hospital. <laughs> Sound like a scam to me. Well, it worked really well, and all of us kids were so proud that we helped build that hospital that was helping all of our friends. And, of course, I it agree was back Charles. in the 50s when the polio epidemic was happening. You really think the pennies from the kids was what built that hospital? No, but we did back then. What? So you were deceived? Oh, it was valley-wide. It was valley-wide. And believe me, the Valley of Salt Lake was, uh, at that point, uh, very high in Mormon. And by 79, it had dropped to 43% Mormon. Mm-hmm. So they made it a mission field, too. She's, now she's talking about corrupt churches, Charles. That has nothing to do with tithing in to actually create local government that's de jour. But, I mean, it, it's a different topic, but it's kind of a good point, though, right? Well, yeah, because it all ties together. Well, kind of. I mean, yeah, know, because it's, it's all about well, knowing your history and 
Uh, well, I why does it tie together? Because we are never taught it in school. Can you do me a favor, Allie, and answer my question? Uh, if you have time, uh, I'm asking you, why does it tie together? Because they have done everything they can do to v- divide us and realizing that we are one, one for all and all for one huh? that live on this planet Earth. Okay. Well, they is a pronoun. It's, it's ambiguous. I don't know who you mean when you say they. And I don't know who's trying to, who, what they're trying to do to hurt us. But first of all, what you brought up was a good point. And it, it has to do with preachers and, and church ministers not being responsible and doing correct reporting to the state government of who are the common law constituents and actually standing up for the common law constituents in those local communities saying, hey, wait, you know, they don't have to pay state taxes because they've been paying into the church here. And, and we are registered with the federal government as a 501c3, so there's no way you can sit here and tell me that my constituent has to pay state taxes. That's a good argument, Jeremiah. Yeah, it really is. Excellent. I don't think it should pivot on the 501c3 status, but, but generally speaking, that's a really cutting-edge argument, Jeremiah. Well, I, I do, thank you, Charles. I just try to do what I can. When, when I think about this stuff very deeply, and and you know when I try to when I share stuff with people, I'm I, you know I think I think as I've over the years, like the knowledge has base has grown that people are dealing with, and so therefore more and more people can understand these these deeper concepts. And as as I've met you, and I've gotten in touch with people like Hartford and read his information, start to realize how it all kind of fits together, you know, like the CAFR is obviously a scam. And that's that's something that actually benefits merely the de facto agents. Doesn't does, it doesn't benefit the people at all because their projections are out thirty years from what I understand with regard to the CAFR. Uh, but when it comes to holding local churches accountable, that may be a good area to start to look in. Right, Charles? I mean, if we really want to have it, right? Okay. So instead of expand our focus to churches as well as governments, government agents, anyways. Well, I'm apprehensive of of, um, being too confrontational against the leadership of the religious organizations, at least from the start. Um, We might have to do that as as things progress, but... um, uh, there's a lot of stupidity in the world, and, and I think a lot of the people in positions of leadership in the, the differing churches, like the Mormons, the Mormons wanted to have polygamy and stuff, and the feds, uh, the feds, the, 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 there were other issues too that that not only um, uh, with the Mormons but with others, like my background with Jehovah's Witnesses and and others. Um, that are that are fringe religions like the Branch Davidians and things like that. That that the brutal force of the federal de facto state has um, uh, uh, beat the snot out of of differing religious leaders that have tried to push the 
the, the envelope uh, along the lines of their religious beliefs. Yeah. That, that First Amendment mm-hmm. is being violated all the time, where, where the federal government is supposed to leave all of the religious jurisdictions alone. Mm-hmm. Don't do it. They come in with their jackbooted Nazi military thugs, and they beat the snot out of religious leadership all the time. And so they're under. I'm I'm apprehensive about Mm. um, being too accusatorial towards religious leadership. I hear you, Charles. It's called compassion. You have empathy and compassion. I can feel that. Thank you. Um, But the and so it's important for you to mention that those people, even though they're paying tithes. They're paying their taxes to the government as as churches, right? Those tax monies that are going to the government to, for being whatever kind of corporate. Wait, do they pay taxes to the government? They don't, do they? Uh, so, question: Do you do you really think Jesus's last words were, "Father, uh, hold on a second. forgive them for hold they on. know let me, not let me, let me what get they the, do"? Allie, I do appreciate you, and I want to hear you, woman of God. But I would like to hear if Charles. Oh, well, answer the I'm last just saying question. that because it's been a long day for me, and I have to say good night here. Right, I'll just I, I wait till, say till you're done. Go what ahead. I enjoy about every one of you is you know the difference between right and wrong. Thank you. So thank you. No, it's all good. Thank you. Okay. I'm really night, glad fellas. you were able to share with us here, Ali. Oh well, yes, because. Uh, Likewise. My, my daddy said a long time ago he did his best to teach me to know the difference between right and wrong. And that's what I love about everybody that is on this call is they know that there's something wrong and they're doing what is they think what we think is right about it. So thank you. Thank you. I appreciate all of you. And I leave you with my prayer for protection. May you be safe. May you be well. May you have a protective shield above you, below you, and all around you. And I a- say good Allie, Allie, Allie. Before you go, I want to say, you know, you used to, you said you used to be public official or you ran yes. for office. Is that right? Yes. Where at? Pardon? Where was it? I was a water commissioner for uh, King County Water District 54, a small water district that serves less than 5,000 people with pure well water that does not need to be treated with chlorine or fluoride. A water on commissioner. The Puget Sound. Okay. Well, so okay. So you were elected. No, I was chased out of office after 12 years, and I was really glad because it was it, the time had come because I could no longer go in front of government agencies or elected officials because I could feel their bad energy in the room. Okay. Well, the Charles, so I, pre- I, 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 I do. It was a good time yeah. for me to go, and they made it possible because. Uh, Another door open, and my message is all about safe, clean water and safe, clean energy, because water and energy sustain all living things. I think you're innocent. I'll be honest. I think she's innocent, but she's probably gotten caught up in the mix, and she's just, just she's intrigued by you, Charles. Honestly, you, you're a brilliant man. And what well, you're, there's a lot the of thing, brilliant men in my life, Charles. and I'm glad to add another one, because the first one was Dr. Paul Conant. Uh, in yeah. his case against water fluoridation. And the next one was Dane Wigington on geoengineering. Mm-hmm. Curtis Bennett Good. on Wi-Fi in the schools. Good. I mean, the list of them goes on. They've all been great teachers, professors for Excellent. me, 
and making it possible for me to do what I do because they provide mm-hmm. me with the evidence saying it's so. Well, not just that, but also they provide you with the contrast necessary to see how what Charles is saying is correct. Well, yeah, and I do a lot of research on my own, and there's nothing like going into the archives and the uh, FOIA acts and uh, all the documents and seeing how they did it. But it's true. That's, I respect you. I'm sure we're going to have – if we ever do work together in depth, we're going to have a lot of things that, you know, to talk about. And so will Charles and you or whoever you work with within the community. But, my goodness, just – just uncovering the fact that common law itself is not so limited to statutory jurisdiction, even though the codes, the codes, you guys, are a part of the common law. I beg to differ. I know that. I know. That's fine. A lot of people are going to beg to differ with that. But it's true that... We are an advanced species, and we're not limited in our capacity or our abilities to transform our own societies. And I think what has happened is is that we have kind of somehow society has managed to actually mix civil law and common law together. And, And they have this thing called America where it's like a mixed jurisdiction thing. You know, and it, in America, it's literally a battle for which one is actually going to be the dominant law, either common law or civil law. Which one's going to be the, the dominant? You know, and that's what we got going on. We got a mixed jurisdiction, and it, it could go it could go any direction right now. But I think honestly, if if, the, if we actually did, did some really good work and like really good outreach. I mean, we could see a push in the direction of the common law because we have so much of the sanctuary city policy activism going on, Black Lives Matter, and all these all these different groups that that really purport to care about their local communities are all potentially common law constituents. It, you know, and yes, agreed. In general, agreed. There's a lot of communities that could quickly um, embrace the concepts that we're talking about here, and that would put our critical mass over the top where we can take that control. Mm-hmm. And it would give a lot of credence to the incentives that you spoke about on previous calls regarding pay structures, you know, uh, regarding, um, you know, um, Position, I guess, like you could, I guess you could call it capacity, right? In in the common law, common law capacity, meaning if are you a pub, are you representing the public's interest or, as a public official, been duly recognized? Um, your point's escaping me there, Jeremiah. I said duly recognized as a public official at the local level is a good thing to have by people who are like in the Black Lives Movement, people that care about the community, they want to become a part of it, and they want to have a real impact. And to have consensus in the common law requires reputation building. So when you have two common law witnesses to say, yeah, I vouch for his status as a qualified elector, 
right? Or as some, in other words, you have an opportunity to be validated in the common law and to become a part of the government activity in a, in a common law realm instead of a civil law realm. Because everything that's going on right now with all their actions are under civil guises. None of it is really under common law because it's all bound by statutory. Common law is not limited by the statutes. Those are just recommendations, suggestions. Everyone knows that. We've been on these calls way too long to actually sit here and deliver those points home, but maybe we've got some newbies on the call, right? Although they may be listening. But, yeah, like, you get what I'm saying. I don't want to be too long-winded, Charles. Mm-hmm. Well, um, Allie, uh, we we can pick up Jeremiah, but Allie, um, uh, did you have concluding comments? Were you thinking of at a night here, Allie? Well, yes, because I have walked down all of these paths over so many years since uh, 1997 and looking at it all. Uh, I've been a, an advocate for so many things, and uh, I've taken so many actions, and uh, then I, I took it to a higher power, to the creator and the destroyer. And, of course, we know who the creator is. He's organic. He's sustainable. He gave us free will. And, of course, we know who the destroyer is, and he's not organic, not sustainable, and does not want us to have free will. So, um, you know, I I look at it as we're fighting all the battles uh, between uh, God and Lucifer. Uh, It's the battle between good and evil and the truth and the lies and all of that. But uh, I've really taken it to the higher power. And uh, that's where I see in a bell square all the unsuspecting public in the middle of the bell we're, we're trying to create awareness uh, by the criminal assaults they are doing upon us. Okay. Um, are you going to hang with us a while longer, or I thought you were uh, No, I, I, uh, I, I was in a dentist chair for an hour and a half this afternoon. It's been a long day. I had a couple of really intense things going on, and I'm uh, just really played out, and I, I need to get some shut-eye. Oh, okay, well, I'm really glad you can join with us. And Well, I am, too, because I, I always walk away from this call or hang up feeling enriched. Yeah, that's what I like to hear. Yeah, right. Thank you, yeah. and you know, when I worked at the Seattle Aquarium or on the beach and I could work with people or see animals or whatever, there there is no greater feeling than having encounters when you leave them feeling enriched. Charles, okay, look, I know I want to let Allie go, but she's an interesting woman. I want a person, I like to ask her if she's aware of the fact that Russia is a civil law country. Allie, are you aware of the fact that Russia is a civil law country? Yes or no? Well, I, I've never looked at what kind of law rules them. Uh, okay. I, uh, All right. All right. I, I do you have a friend who has hold on, left hold on, Russia hold on, hold on, and hold on. moved over here because uh-huh. she didn't like it over there. Uh-huh. Uh huh. 
I don't know Upon, exactly why, because she's, she's down living in Texas. Well, also, Mexico is another civil law country. Did you know that? Oh, no, I, I haven't looked at the laws that rule the different companies. Uh, it seems to me most of them are dictatorships, but... Uh, that's fine, that's fine. Now, I yeah, want to yeah, point yeah, out no, one... No, that, one that's here. a good question, because you kind of leave me dangling there. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. Here's the finale. Why is it that America is at odds with Mexico and Russia, as well as other civil law countries in the world? Why would that even be possible? Natural resources. Okay. I'll give you the answer, and then you can ponder upon it. The reason is because America is founded... This country was founded on common law principles. It is a common law country. And it primarily common law. Even though I said it was a mixed jurisdiction, the only reason why it's mixed jurisdiction because that's, called, that's from infiltration. So what we need to remember is that the, the primary difference between America and Russia or Mexico or other civil law countries is, is the common law versus the civil law. And both of those two types of law that are operating in the world, absent admiralty, because that's a whole other beast altogether, but the common law and the civil law are kind of like riding for the top, top notch when it comes to who's going to be the most popular form of law in the world. Well, well Jeremy, and, let me ask you a so, question. Isn't the U.S. Inc. the only country that became a country because they invaded Turtle Island and did genocide of the people who lived here. Yes. Okay. Uh, no. I don't agree with that 100% no, right I'm, away. No, I'm asking you that question. So, so don't agree. It's, it, it, you, you can't agree with the question. Well, I can't say a yes or no to that because I wasn't there. But I can tell you I'm that also known as many I know I know there's spirit woman because other, of my deep connection with my Native American friends. Other, I've read other things that say that there was all kinds of different countries that were actually here the, prior to the colonialists arriving. It was always Spain was here. I mean, we had Greek Greece was here, right? Spain. Oh, no, what? no, who, not, who not, not before who them. Else? Before them, it was Turtle Island. Okay. Did America you know is not called Did you Turtle know that? Island. So North America no. was Turtle Island, no. made up of no. many, many Native American Look, tribes. Honestly, that is neither here nor there with regard to the common law aspects of this conversation. I do appreciate they bringing it up, though. Well, they lived it's, in it's, balance it's, with the earth, and, uh, and then the white people came and brought in their common law and said, oh, well, I you would, guys are savages. I would not agree with that. I would not agree with that. Well, uh, shame on you, because then you don't know your history. Hmm. Ali, I don't think it was the common they law. They didn't move but... off their land to make room for us. We chased them off their land. Uh, we didn't use common law. That was Roman civil law that chased the Native Americans off their land. Well, I, I, I agree because I think our good founding fathers saw a way that we could move forward for 
not only us, but for our Native American friends, and that's why they tried to do treaties and uh, be the best that they could be. But uh, unfortunately, uh, there was those that didn't want to be the best with the savages. Uh, they didn't want to live in balance. They wanted to exploit all of the resources. Yeah, yeah, that's a serious <laughs> problem, no doubt. It is. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, you guys, I'm uh, I'm exhausted. And, uh, Thank you, Allie. You know, um, uh, everybody keeps mm-hmm. saying, Allie, when are you going to write a book? And I'm going, well, uh, I've got bankers' boxes, file drawers, everything full of all my documents and my research. And who needs to write a book? All they need to do is just to go through my home office and they'll see it all. <laughs> it's all there. It's all there. I've been doing this for many years. And uh, I I have joy in doing it because uh, I'm still doing it at my age, and most people can't believe it. So, uh, you know, God shines on me, and uh, I I go into meditation and try and listen to him and and get directed in the right way to go. And and part of that means showing up at the right time to be on calls like this. I'm glad you you could join us. Thank yeah. you, Jeremiah. Thank you, Max. I guess you're gone. Thank you, David. Uh, Thank you. It's been a wonderful exchange, and like I say, I'm going to hang up this phone feeling enriched by all of you. God bless and you, And I Al. hope you feel the same with me. Yes. So, blessings, and may God bless us all. Good night. Good night, Alan. Bye, Alan. Well... Um, <laughs> little spa, um, nice little soiree right there, yeah. Yeah. Um, it, sometimes differing people have uh, difficulties harmonizing with everybody. Um, frequently, the discussion goes in different directions, and. Um, to harmoniously focus on a single subject. Um, But when the chatter dies down and there's less participants, it usually assists in the ability to develop a clearer focus. And what's the call count right now? Uh, Counting you and me, there's Money Mike, uh, Orange, California, and we had New York, but he just hung up. I think that was Scotty, Scott, in the background. That's Just Money Mike in California, looks like. I thought I heard Money Mike trying to chime in there for a minute. Well, well. His line's open. Everybody's open. Mike, you're open. You're trying to talk or what? I'm not the host of the show, but I'm asking you for your feedback because I don't want to hog the mic. He must be busy. But with regard to the tithing, Charles, I think that's super important to the common law and getting moving moving in the direction. This is why people are being screwed over by the state courts all the time, claiming common law, claiming common law, and then the state courts come and say, nope, I don't think so. You've been paying state taxes. That's what they do. And they do it. You know, it's like, wait a minute. 
you inadvertently were paying state taxes through your paycheck. You didn't even know that that was actually subverting your entire common law effort. See, that's how they're getting over on people, Charles. It's screwed up. It actually is kind of a scam in some ways. It's like, in some ways, it's racketeering. But I think, honestly, what they're doing is they're treating everyone exactly like Brett Jones said. Brett Jones from, I don't know where the fuck he's from. But I think he was talking about treating everyone like minors, keeping everybody in a minor capacity, and so that way the, the courts could administer the estates of everybody. Like, that's that's really what is happening, you know? It's like everybody pays state taxes, so now the state courts get, so they can use the right, they have the right to come into state court and sue if they have any issue with regard to anything that happens in their private life. But at the, let's, and then, the, so the reverse of that is whereby these officials are saying, well, because you signed up, now you're under our jurisdiction, minimum contest, we have personal jurisdiction over you because of minimum contact. Well, you know, and it's not right. It shouldn't be that way. They right. should not have personal jurisdiction at all, just because they, they have, have personal jurisdiction. They're exercising a military form of jurisdiction. Right. It's entirely lawless, but um, uh, it only gains color of legitimacy through the fact that we are not responsibly self-governing judicially in our own community. See, the de facto yep. moves into the vacuum left by the people not issuing judicial decisions. This is why they take so long with their court cases. The court cases sit there, Bundy's sit in jail for two years before it finally gets tried like that, because they're waiting. they got to give space and time for a common law jurisdiction to exercise a judgment. And then they go, well, gee whiz, no common law court has taken any jurisdiction so far. I guess we got to run our military police state evil empire courts here uh, uh, to fill the vacuum. And then they go ahead and make their corrupted judicial rulings after they've given us plenty of time to do something, but none of us ever get the critical mass together to actually do anything. I sometimes feel like Charles, like, because I, I just laughed at what you said because I totally got it, right? But <laughs> I sometimes feel like like 90% of the people that are on your calls are not really there. They don't have the ability to even laugh at what you said because it's true. Like some of them you'll hear like David Scheid, Ali, and some of the other people. I'm not, I'm not going to totally take away the credit, but just from the way that they talk, they don't, they don't talk like you, dude. And they definitely don't talk like me. And you, you know, we're, we're, we're trendsetters. You're a trendsetter. I don't have to say that, but you've, you've, you have set a precedent in the common law uh, community on talk show, as well as I think throughout, throughout the freedom movement. If people pay attention, they'll understand who you, they understand what you're talking about. And 90% of the people on these calls would not laugh at that, you know, because they don't, they, they kind of, don't, in some ways, don't understand that the state, you know, the government is, is, 
is literally hijacking the common law authority that the people are saying they're but they're waiting they're saying hey wait we're going to wait around we're going to you know maybe that's why they have their statutes of limitations and all that stuff because they're they're saying hey we're going to give it six months we're going to give it two years and by the way you mentioned a really good point there you made me think about this little thing called uh what's it what's it called it's uh it's called uh uh, what is it when you actually go in and you jump, you say, oh, I'm going to waive the statute of limitations because I just became aware of a specific law or whatever? It's tolling. There we go. It's called tolling. You, you familiar with the term? I believe so. So I think they were basically waiting for tolling in the situation of the Bundys, like you just stated a second ago, if no one would come in and toll the statute of limitations, then, <laughs> then they could just do basically whatever the fuck they wanted to do. Excuse my French. But luckily, luckily God was on the side of the common law because something happened and it allowed the, it allowed the, the jurors to actually be legit. Is that right? I mean, the jurors, the jur, the jurors made the decision in in regard to the Bundy situation in both Oregon and Nevada, right? Yeah, yeah, the jurors came through there. That was a good development. Yeah, so we're we're praising God for that, and yeah, so. But the tolling is what you were saying a second ago. The state is waiting around saying. Is there going to be a common law remedy that comes forward, or do we have to exercise our civil authority? So you brought up a very good point, and I'll, I hope people listen to this. Yeah, well, um, um, even if the bits of enlightenment that are shared through this conference, even if these bits fade into oblivion. You made a good point earlier in uh, uh, your little rant about um, um, the good is moving too fast. It, we're, we're, we're bringing forth too much of it too quick. Um, and, and, and the forces of darkness are not able to obscure the truth yep. and empowerment that, that we're bringing forth faster than, than 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 we can pile on more of it. We're piling on more truth and enlightenment faster than than the mm-hmm. smoke mirrors artists and the deceivers can can bamboozle uh uh people into thinking differently. Yeah. Thank you. It's true. It's I think it's obvious. I want to hear more of what you have to say about that. Because when you think about the fact that I've been able to get on Angela's call, I've been getting on these other calls, it's like the forces of good are working, even despite all the naysayers over the years. You know, like, it's getting around that time, it seems like, where we're getting heightened and heightened and heightened with tension. And then at the same time, these naysayers would basically be spread out even thinner 
thinner and thinner, spread out, because they think they have conquered already, so they don't have to focus on certain individuals or certain things or whatever. They don't realize that the resilience of the truth is the only thing that matters in life. The truth is always going to be here. All the fakery is just is a thing that's going to fade away. So I'm, I'm super stoked, Charles, to, to, to continually be an, a, a part of this community, despite all of the rhetoric surrounding Donaldson. Yeah, 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 yeah. Can can we shift your subject a little bit? Um, did you happen to tune in this call last week? Hmm. Consensus builders? No, Angela's call on Thursday evening. Hmm. Did I see? Yes, I did. I think she actually unmuted me. Okay, that was. Did Anna von Rich show up there in? I think she was on the call. I, I, I kind of vaguely remember something about why. Well, I, I was just kind of curious what happened there. Oh. I did tune it in, and I'm, I'm not a big fan of Anna von Ritz. I think she's largely a distraction. Um, um, she may or may not. I think if someone mentioned her, so I, I don't remember. I, I, I would remember if she actually came on the call. But so, but I do, I do believe someone said. Anna was supposed to be on the call, you know. Maybe she couldn't well, make it or whatever. But. Well, Angela advertised that Anna would be on the call, but um, hmm. she was scheduled Interesting. to be. But, um, I didn't tune it in. I had other Whoa. Things. Let me ask you a question now about Orpha. Have you heard from Orpha? I've been out of touch with Orpha for a long time. She's been on our mail list, but um, she hasn't been um, uh, attending our conferences for probably the last. Year. I'd like to. I'd like to. I'd like to see if you could reach out to her as a favor to me, and try and contact her and figure out what's going on with Wonderland, because um, the you know Orpha and Wonderland. They always come on to the Friday conference call known as uh, Health and Wellness in the Golden Age. It's, a, it's Wonderland's talk to call. And, you know, I would I think Orpha is probably a good person to talk to to find out whether or not Wonderland is doing okay or what, what's going on with that. We've got news on Wonderland. She's she's out of jail. And she's oh, is she? Yeah, Allie, Allie's been talking with her. We, you could ask Allie about what's going on there. Oh, my God. Okay, so maybe I'm just late in the game. Okay. So she's out, and what's what's the news on her? Well, she doesn't have a cell phone or a car. Uh, she's got two court cases that she's fighting against the de facto's that imprisoned her and stole her car. Um, um and apparently she's facing a charge of, of resisting arrest or something like that. Um, so, um... It'd be, oh my God, man. It'd be pretty easy to beat all that. I would think so. Honestly. But, um, yeah. yeah it, Thank you. Yeah. Cause, yeah, because now I know, you know, because I, I was concerned... 
like we look forward to tomorrow's tomorrow morning's conference call with Wonderan on her conference call um which I forget actually the call ID number, but it's health and wellness in the golden age if you want to tune in early in the morning for her talk. I'm pretty sure you said she doesn't have a cell phone? She in her email to me she said she did not have a phone. Um right. but I, I believe her conference is on Friday morning. Tomorrow morning's Thursday morning. Oh Thursday, that's right. Okay. Yep. No, you're right. So one more day. Yeah. Um, do you think she'll be doing it or what? Um, I don't know. If she doesn't have a cell phone, she might not be able to put it together. But mm-hmm. uh, um, I'm uh, usually not a morning person. So, so Wonder Ann is, is very awesome, and she she is she's actually bought the David Wynn Miller thing, and she's gone through that whole entire program, David Wynn Miller, with the correct sentence structure. So she knows quantum. Just like I do. I'm not sure that's of any significant advantage. She won't deny quantum grammar. Well, uh, I I don't see any value in that. Well, okay, well, how about this then? Let's... I'll just say this. I think I think quantum grammar has the ability to to create the separate legislative state that's necessary to keep the private away from the public, meaning Roman civil law away from the common law through correct. Yeah, I, I thought reference legislative there. Didn't you reference legislative? I did. Yes, I did. Legislative. Well, well, well a, a judicial, properly comprehended through common law lens, there, there, there is no use whatsoever for a separate legislative jurisdiction. Well, actually, in true, pure common law, there's, a, there's no separation between legislative and judicial. True, that, but that's only because um, judicial... Uh, uh, exercises the legislative power through case law precedent, and there under there okay. is no separate legislative body. Exactly, and that's why quantum is so powerful, is because if you have a township or a precinct which is under a charter or a, cons- a document, foundational document that's written in it, even something just slightly different, you know, w- it would create a separate legislative state because. It was by consent. Everyone consented to it. That was a constituent. That's well, how come you call it a legislative state? That that seems opposed to a judicial state. Maybe it's just a confusing term that could change eventually. Well, then your 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 so-called benefits of of what your so-called benefits of quantum grammar turns to a pile of mud. I don't. I don't know how you just debunked me all of a sudden like that. But well, it's not, not you. Not, it's the yeah. David Wynn Miller guru, uh, uh, quantum grammar, smoke and mirrors. Well, no. See, this is his, here's the thing. It doesn't have to be exactly like David Wynn Miller. See, that's, that's how, the thing. David. How come okay, you're using these foreign, intellectually inbred terminologies such as quantum <laughs> grammar? Nobody else uses that kind of wording except David Wynn Miller clones. Well, there's something about David Wayne Miller that maybe you don't know. Well, I, he, I know he's real good at bamboozling weak-minded people. 
Well, what he's done is he actually booby trapped his entire website to be wrong on purpose. Oh, oh, oh. Well, see, at that time, at that point, mm-hmm. I get frustrated. Uh, Let me tell you why. Well, Let me I tell have you to why wait. he did that. I want to hear why. It's because Steve what he did was he gave away Jeremiah, the cor- getting frustrated. I'm thinking about ending the call. I spoke directly to David. I don't want to hear about David's bullshit. It's not bullshit. I think I'm going to end the call here, Drew. Okay, it's your choice. But I think it could help the con- it could help our endeavors There's when we're establishing. Okay. When we're establishing the de jure constituencies, you need to have foundational documents, and they have to be 